I think it's a great honour to win a biggie, but I think if you aim to be rewarded in your life, you'll get nowhere. I think that the biggest reward is the work itself and what you get out of it and the connections you make with other people. Ladies, gentlemen and variations thereupon, it's the biggest night in showbiz. This historic event will go down in infamy. This is Modern Escapism. Esteemed judges and naysayers, my name is Oodles, and I'll be the... H- I'm drunk already, hang on. Start again. <laughs> <laughs> rosy, rosy cheeks. No, it's going to stay in that. Oh, yeah, it's staying in. <sighs> Esteemed judges and naysayers, my name is Oodles, and I'll be the host for this evening's proceedings. And tonight, I will be joined by a man that has a head like a golden globe. It's Gadget. Oi. <laughs> I thought that was me as well. (laughs) (laughs) Some say the champagne at the BAFTAs after party is the only thing that could quench his insatiable bloodlust. It's Stig. You like me. You really like me. (laughs) And finally, the man with the Midas touch, the president of the biggest 2021 awards and the Forbes magazine 40 over 40, man of the year awards winner, it's Biggie. It's me! It is me! It's me! How are we doing this fine awards evening, gentlemen? I was doing fine until you compared me to a fucking golden globe. <laughs> Just your head. I don't know if that's better or worse. I can see you're you're all in your in your best. Who are you wearing tonight, Biggie? Oh, fuck you know. Um, I've come as um, John Candy. Excellent. And who are you wearing tonight, Stick? Me, I'm wearing this excellent apparel by Nike. Excellent. Lovely. With a uh, lovely uh, Norfolk and Rugby Club Twickenham 2015. Fantastic. And Gadget, who are you wearing this evening? T-shirt and pants. Same. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> so, without further ado, before the main, the main event, let's head down into our red carpet of what we've been up to this week, and we will start with you, Gadget. What have you been up to, pal? Uh, so I've got a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, first of all is uh, Pip and I watched uh, Louis Theroux's newest documentary, uh, Shooting Joe Exotic, Oh, which was obviously, you know, the entire world at the beginning of lockdown last year watched Tiger King. Yeah. Um, and enjoyed the rapturous insanity that was that program. Um, and obviously it was brought up early on in that series. I think it was in that series, or maybe Twitter reminded everybody of it, but Louis Theroux had done a documentary where he met Joe Exotic in 2011. Yes. And it was in the wake of Tiger King, Louis Theroux going back and kind of re-interviewing a lot of people, going to see the effect that the documentary had had, but also correcting a few wrongs in it as well, because um, one of the big things that came out of it was the, the, the narrative throughout Tiger King of Carol Baskin and what happened to her first husband. Yes. Don. Um, and there was a lot made within the storyline that, you know, a lot of people thought she might have killed her husband. Mm. Um, and that's actually kind of disproved a lot in this Louis Theroux one because he actually sits and talks to Carol and her current husband, Howard, about it. Yeah. And, like, you get a bit more understanding of the fact that Don suffered from bipolar disorder and was a very erratic person and stuff like that. So 
there was a lot of Louis through kind of highlighting a lot of journalistic malpractice from <laughs> the the creators of Tiger King, but also then just like talking to like Joe Exotic's lawyers and like talking around the subject, and also then revealing that like everyone who almost everyone who was involved in Tiger King has an exclusivity contract with Netflix, so like he couldn't go and speak to Joe Exotic, he couldn't go and speak to wow. the people around it. It's a really fascinating watch, and you also see some stuff from behind the scenes of um of the original documentary that Louis Theroux made, which actually, it actually cast Joe Exotic in a very bad light because the documentary kind of showed him as an almost sympathetic character, despite him being a horrible twat. (laughs) Um, It's worth a watch. It's on iPlayer. It's very interesting, especially if you kind of, like the rest of the world, got swept up in Tiger King. Um, It reframes a lot of stuff, and it makes you actually think, like, how honest was the original documentary? So, yeah, well worth a watch. Um, But the main thing I want to talk about is... This last week, me and Stig finished Dead Space 3. You did. <laughs> that is a very stupid game. <laughs> some, as a, as some say as three as is a magic number. That no, needs to go on the box. No. Um, yeah, that, 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 that'll be a great for a fucking re-release of it. <laughs> should, we do, should we do the DLC now? Yeah. No, we shall not do the DLC. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I love Dead Space 1 and 2, and I've said when we were doing the streams, I said it many times before, I had played Dead Space 3, but it was many moons ago, and I don't remember a great deal of it. Yeah, same. At this point, I'm questioning whether or not I ever actually finished it, because when we got to the ending, it was just the most monumentally stupid ending, and so unsatisfying. <laughs> the, bad guy, the ending bad guy was shit. The last <laughs> boss. So bad. The, gem, the, the, the general run of the Dead Space games is, you, you, you play Isaac Clarke, um... There is this uh, supernatural creation called the Marker, which has a really horrible, nasty habit of turning corpses into bloodthirsty monsters. And it becomes like an infection that Isaac ends up having to stop in every game. In the third game, you go to a planet called Tau Volantis, which is this kind of frozen ice world, um, which is then revealed as that is where the Markers come from and where the Necromorph infection comes from. Of course, that's where you'd go as well. Naturally speaking, it's a sensible place for anybody to go. Yeah. Um, for a game called Dead Space, you spend very little time in space. Yeah. In fact, almost no time in space. Or half an hour, maybe. <laughs> but the best part about it is this. So this was the game that effectively sealed the fate of Visceral Studios, who made the game, because EA murdered them after a few yep. years after this one. <laughs> Fire and Squad. Agree. Yeah, Fire and Squad just took them out there, kneel on the ground, shoot straight through the skull. Oh, um, God. <laughs> At which point, but they were all going, but this is your fault, EA. You told EA us to like, do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the last the, statement may not be fact. <laughs> it's concrete fact. It's what EA does. Um, but yeah, the yeah in Dead Space 3, you spend very little time in space. You spend most of the time on Tau Volantis. Because EA EA'd the fuck out of it, um, there is microtransactions, so um, f- for now, in this game, you don't you have basically one kind of ammo that works with all weapons, because the run of the, run of the game is you have to build weapons that right. out of parts that you find, um, and or microtransactions if you want to buy the parts for the weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, I, I have no problem with building the weapons and and locking stuff as you go along, but when it was stuff like oh, I click on it and it's just like you don't have this part, but you can buy it if you want. I'm like, what? No. It did that early. It no. did that early Ubisoft thing where it's like time saving, two ninety nine. Well, bear in mind that this game is eight years old. The microtransactions are still in there, and they're still fucking broken. Yeah, like every upgrade requires tungsten, which is the hardest material to come by. Somewhere deep in the bowels of EA servers, are still 
getting a little bit of money from these microtransactions. No, probably, yeah, surely probably a tiny amount. The, the stupid thing is, this game is like eight to ten hours long, so it doesn't like, even. John, warrant... we've got one. We've got a tungsten deposit. We've done it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even warrant like buying my, you know, yeah, the yeah. parts to unlock this. Like, it's not like a forty to fifty hour epic. No, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like ne- ne- neither of us put any money into the game, and we finished it reasonably comfortably. We bought the game. Like, uh, <laughs> Technically, you're encouraging EA. Yeah, yeah. I didn't buy it from Steam. We'll say that much. Yeah, good. <laughs> I did buy it, but it was like secondhand keys. Um, it does look matter. The the funniest part of it is because we were playing a co-op game, and the co-op is so badly integrated into it because it was such an afterthought. So I was playing as as Isaac. Uh, Stig was playing as John Everyman. Basically, yeah. Might as well be. Space, Space Marine archetype number 44, yes. the troubled soldier. Yes. You know, it's called John, John, isn't he? Captain yes, John Carver. John Carver yeah. is his name. Um, which is obviously called John. Default. Yeah, it, well, yeah it's, one, it's one letter removed from John Carter of Mars. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it tried to hype it up as this thing where like each player would have individual experiences. Yeah. That happened precisely twice in the game. Oh, God. There was there, there was one moment where Carver where in a cut in a cutscene of things falling down, Stig saw something different than I saw, and then we had a side quest. And the side quest was fucking terrible. In the last it's in the last stream, if you go back and watch the last VOD, it basically we had to follow Carver's ghosts through um this facility. It was like about 12 rooms, I think, in total. And each time we would get to one of these kind of hub rooms where Carver would freeze. So Stig would go into this kind of mini game of horror. And I had to stand there and shoot off waves of necromorphs to make sure they didn't kill Stig in the real world. The the real world, in quotes. In the real Um, world, you'd have left him to his fate. Yeah, and it was just so dumb. And there was so much backtracking and so much shit dialogue. We had like a really emotional moment, uh, emotional in quotes again, where where... Isaac's love interest sacrificed herself because she couldn't be asked to jump out the way of some poison gas. And then she turns up later with a fucking Elton John looking baddie holding on to her. Oh, <laughs> God, it was dreadful. I remember, I remember reading a review when it came out and they were saying, oh, there's three hours worth of a good game in this 10-hour package. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think I counted three jump scares that actually made me yeah. jump throughout the whole game. <laughs> yeah, uh, that honestly, that bit where she's just like, I can't get through, I, you go on. I'm just like, you are standing on a, a, a elevated platform here, run and jump, and you will jump over the gas. It's not even got to your level yet. <laughs> you yeah. have all about know, the two metres to jump. As, you as have long as you two... don't breathe it in, you're fine. Yeah, she has about yeah. two metres to jump. She's got a really good, like, what she stood on, she could run across it and jump. She would make it. No, silly. No, and I said, I did. I say in the stream, I went. I bet she turns up. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. As, as the as the door closed after the cuts, he says she's turning up. Later, she's not dead. She? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, she does. And both of us, um, when she when she turned up, both of us just groaned. It was yep. just this- so to wrap it up a little bit quicker than we should. Um, collectively, what would you score this out of ten? A bad game out of ten. <laughs> 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 I think I'd give it a, maybe a six, but I don't know, maybe a five. Yeah, wow. it's, it's, yeah, it's, six. It's, it's, you enjoyed it co-op, right? So I guess there's the, the fun yeah, that you the, had. Yeah, yeah the, the, the fun the, with the co-op, but it's 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 I guess it's the EA equivalent of Resident Evil Five. It's a dreadful game by yourself, but with co-op it's just stupid. Yeah, oh. I've only played Dead Space Three alone and alone it's a far out of ten. Without yeah, a doubt. It's not a good game. 
Also, but, um, also, can we just say a big fuck you to Nimrod Hicks? Oh yeah, listeners. fuck Nimrod. What did he saw, do? I saw, he sat on our stream and he, said, and he said, oh, there's something at the end of the credits. And this game, by the way, doesn't allow you to skip anything. So okay. if you die before, if you die and you get checkpointed before a cutscene, you have to watch the whole cutscene again. So, so we couldn't and skip some the credits. Cre- well. Yeah, so we couldn't skip the credits. We sat there for like five, ten minutes, just chatting away, chat, you know, chatting to the the Twitch chat and everything. Yeah. Sat there waiting for this, and I was like, I bet this is just like, uh, oh, he's not dead, kind of thing. And it comes by the end, and it's literally two lines, two words actually, a black it's screen, with, yeah, with two words, and then then it went back to the main menu. It's like. <laughs> And the it's, worst thing is, he told us afterwards. He said, "He goes, I've never played this game. I just took a, ga- I took a gamble." Gotcha. <laughs> Fucking punk was over the moon. It was like as Christmas has come. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad you seem to have enjoyed yourself, and you've got an anecdote from it now, um, and a warning to everyone else: don't play it. Yeah. yeah no. No. Don't play it. Don't play it. We're doing Watch things so you don't have to. Oh, and 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 the other, the last thing we'll leave it off on: the online service, EA's online service, is dreadful. It's never been like, good. But every every stream, either we had connection issues, either me dropping off or Stig dropping off. Sometimes we didn't even actually get connected to get a match for like 10 minutes. There's two of the streams that I actually had to cut off the beginning of the VODs where it's just the two of us go constantly sending um, player invites <laughs> to each other trying to get into the fucking game. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. God Did bless you? EA. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been up to this So Stig, apart from playing Dead Space 3 with our man, what have you been doing? Uh, the thing I did this week is I played a game that I've wanted to play for a long time, but for some reason just never sat and played it. Oh. And that is uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, dude. Yes, so I I like a good walking simulator. This is pretty much what it is. It's described as an adventure game, but it's a, it's a walking simulator. Yeah. But for me, a walking simulator only works if it's the, if the story's good. Doesn't matter how yeah. pretty it, how pretty it looks, what like mechanics they might put in there. If the story's shite, then I just lose interest. But this one, um, like I absolutely adored this game. Mm. Like it's so good. Like the just the level of detail in as you're walking around the house and 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 finding out what happened to to Edith's family and everything. It's just yeah. it's so great. I mean, if you've not played this, um, basically the game centers around um a young girl called Edith who returns back to her family home off the coast of the state of Washington to learn about her relatives, their deaths, and about this so-called curse that looms over the Finch family. And as you go along through, she gets into the house and you find that all the rooms have been sealed by her mother. They haven't been back to the house in something like four or five years or something like that. And her mum's gone through, everything has been left untouched and she sealed all the rooms off and the only way to look into the rooms is through the little um like spy glasses on the portholes aren't they yeah portholes on, on the door but you, gradually you there are, there are secret passages and everything around this house i mean this house is crazy because it's just That's a normal ha- it's a, to start off with it's a normal house and the, as the family grew they've like built onto it so there's bedrooms that are like tree houses and they've put like a boat on the top of the house that's someone's bedroom and yeah i'd hate to be a surveyor uh, of that house yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely will have passed past building wrecks that's no, for sure definitely not but yeah you, you just go by room by room just picking stuff out the room and as you go along edith is telling the story and originally you kind of as you start off it feels like she's telling it to you and then obviously you find out that actually she's telling it to somebody else yeah uh, which you later find out further on in the game 
But every person who died has their own like little story and you play that story out and it's in such a unique and clever way. Like it isn't just a case of Edith going into the room, picking something up and like, this is how my brother died. This is how my great uncle died, etc. She starts to read something and you get transported into that moment. And, And the way it's done, it's like, I don't, if you're not playing this game, I don't want to really tell you how they're done because they're so clever and, you don't want to ruin the impact. Yeah, it, do, exactly. it does. It does that thing that some um, Nintendo games do, like with Mario, where it introduces gameplay features that you'll never see again after like a five-minute segment, and it's incredible. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's one of the only walking coming, simulators I can say I no, love. I generally didn't see it, it come in with just the first one when it transports yeah. you into it. Like, oh, you're playing like this, and, and you get it. And some of it's like played out in like in a metaphorical way like yeah. you are you don't physically play as the character you kind of play as something else but it, it, some of it rep- seems supernatural but it's not really it's yeah. just how you're interpreting it yeah exactly it's representing that character yeah. and their death and there's one which is harrowing as fuck and as you're playing it and you're going along you're just like oh, yeah God, I, know, I know where I know this exactly is going <laughs> I know where this is going and this is terrible but I have to carry on playing yep. and I was like and this is awful this is awful and yep. I'm just like keep going, keep going, and it ends, you're just like, fuck me. And the thing is, you know all these people are dead anyway because you, yeah. you, you're looking at your relatives, your, your, your ancestors and stuff like that. It's, it, it's such a clever idea. It's a walking simulator that doesn't make you walk in a straight line for miles, mm. which no. for me is how you should do these games. Like I've played Everyone's Gone to the Rapture. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, so oh, much tears. fucking walking on it. I liked it, but I just got lost at one point. I couldn't even work out where I was supposed to be going. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, but yeah, it was a very slow game. It took yeah. me a long time to get Edith through. Finch is snappy, and it's got new gameplay elements right up until the last section. Yeah, it's like two to three hours long. You could sit yeah. this, just sit through it, and just play it in one go. And I think it's the pinnacle of that kind of genre, in my opinion. And I'm not, I'm not adverse to that genre that much. I tend to stay away from it. I'm one of the only people in the world that doesn't like Gone Home. Not into yeah. it. I love Gone Home for so for a game that's like for a game that you can actually complete in a minute. Yeah, te- you can technically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, going into the stories and doing the mini games, mm. that's where it really shines. But uh, yeah, having right. all the stuff like are you wandering around the house and it's just little things like there's pictures on the wall and there's just notices and you can read things and you can look at. They've gone into so much detail where they've actually so many of these games where you'd walk around and there'd be a picture on the wall. It'd just be a fuzzy. You know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, family yeah. in the photo would just be you nondescript. You wouldn't be able to see it. Mm-hmm. But this, they've taken the time to actually put the families in the photos. So and, good. And that house actually feels quite lived in when you walk around. Yes, it rooms. does. Yeah, I would personally live there, but <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's a cool little house. But yeah. like, it's it's uh, it's not a weird practical, house. But it's fun. No, it's not at all. <laughs> it's like something from Roald Dahl, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's. A good Did way you know to about the um, the link between this game and Unfinished Swan? The other game that they made no apparently I, I, I never, un, apparently unfinished swans one of the stories from another family member apparently oh. so Ooh, yeah that's cool i never i never finished on finished swan. I played it. it's not it. great it'd be good if I it was just one it. of these little sections in edith finch it'd be a lot better that way i think yeah. there, there is one section where you actually have to do too many games at the same time yeah that was really clever <laughs> yeah so really well done yeah that's it's really good i think that. it's a knockout game it's it absolutely achieves what it's 
aim to set to do. Yeah, I know no idea why it's taken me so long to play it. It was just oh, no, got, I was the same. I've literally exactly got it on. I've got it on three different machines. I think <laughs> I got it on PS Plus at one point, got, and that's the uh, yeah. only reason why. I got it on PlayStation, PC, and Switch, and it's just like, do you know what? I actually have to play this game. It's three hours long. It's still and, so pretty as well. Yeah, and I absolutely loved it. Like, mm. and it's very cheap a lot of the time now as well. So yeah, for those that are interested. Well, I've, I've just I've just seen that it's on Game Pass, so I've just sent it to my Xbox to download. Good, good man, good man. Oh, great! I, I'd love to hear what you. You'll um, love it, mate. You'll love you it. Think, yeah, I, I, I think it's really. You might good. even shed a few tears, pal. It's it's, it's quite yeah. deep. Yes. Well, I cry. I cry that everyone's gone to the rapture, so I might. You know, oh, I cried when I realised I'd spent money on that. I've just noticed here it says on their Wikipedia it won the British Academy Gaming Award for best game. It is. Completely see why. Yeah, Even it though is. it's only two to three hours long, like the, the level of detail and the thought that they've put into this is just outstanding. Yeah. It doesn't well, To be honest, I cried when I heard you were playing Dead Space 3, to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I cried when you started playing Dark Souls, so don't even bother. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was, it was cries while playing Dark Souls. <laughs> it was definitely what I needed after playing a game like Dead Space 3, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, th- I think Edith Finch is one of the most perfect palate cleansers in a game ever. If you're playing an open world RPG epic, Play that in between something else. It is absolutely yeah, perfect for that. Yep. Very good recommendation. Lovely, mate. Thank you. Excellent. So, uh, Biggie, you've been doing? Yeah, so um, it came out of a conversation with my mum um, that she'd never seen The Godfather. Oh, wow. So uh, we whacked that on this afternoon. And, whacked uh, being the operative word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor choice of words when it comes to The Godfather. <laughs> never thought that. Choice of words. <laughs> but, yeah, she really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed seeing it for God knows fifth time. It still looks good, doesn't it? It's very good. The cinematography it's on that film is outstanding. Great. Um, there's something I want to mention about it later on, but uh, I'll leave that till later. But uh, yeah, just uh, highly recommend that if people haven't seen the trilogy. I don't mind three. It's I don't mind three. It's just not, not as on the good. level of one and two. <laughs> have um, you? Sorry to interrupt quickly. Have you watched that new cut of three yet? Yes. No. No. It might it's be a lot worth better. having. Might be worth having a watch that if you're on a. Mm. If you go, maybe watch two and then watch the new cut and see how that work, yeah, works. Yeah, together. Get to watch I think the new cut works better, a lot better. Yeah, I've heard it does. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But I uh, wanted to just make oh, because I think um, Tig mentioned it in the uh, Discord uh, today, and I said, well, or the other day, and I said, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. So, uh, cool. thanks for that. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to very quickly talk about Line of Duty. See n- now, let me, before you talk about. Everyone tells me to watch this, and I yeah. thought it was some kind of army program. Because of like Call of Duty, army. Yeah, no, I, I had the same thought when <laughs> what people is started it? telling me to watch it. Explain it to me without spoiling it for me. Because I, I won't be able to watch it because it's on BBC, but you never know. There are other means. Um, it is a um, <laughs> it's a British police procedural TV drama. Ah. Uh, it was created by Jed Mercurio, who um, also wrote the Godf- uh, Godfather. Godfather. Bodyguard. Francis <laughs> did not write the Godfather. Um, yeah, he uh, did the series uh, Bodyguard. But uh, yeah, this uh, series began back in 2012. Um, oh, wow. It was on BBC Two. I didn't see it when it first came out, so I picked it up when it was on Netflix when it first came on there. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's basically um, about anti-corruption in the police force. Oh, right. There's a fictional uh, department called AC12. Mm. So it follows um, DC, DS Steve Arnott, played by Martin Compton. Uh, he was basically um, a firearms officer who um, 
got transferred to AC12, which for him felt like it was like a demotion. Yeah. Uh, after an incident. Is AC12 like CID type stuff? More like, investigation rather than... It's like internal affairs, but... Oh, it's, right, internal it's affairs. Basically, it's looking into anti-corruption in the police force. So they basically have all the power looking to... Looking for bent it, coppers. Yep, basically. Um, and he ends up teaming up with uh, DC Kate Fleming, played by Vicky McClure, who's a highly commended undercover officer. Mm. So they end up on that team, and um, they work under the supervision of the very famous superintendent, Ted Hastings, which is uh, played by Adrian Dunbar. Um, he is very famous for having lots of memes at the moment. Oh, I've probably seen him without realising that it's from... Lots of quotes with this guy. Um, he's got this <laughs> lovely Irish brogue. Um, one of the comments, I'm not going to do the Irish accent, but he do says it. there's only... No, he says there's only one thing I'm interested in, and that is catching bent coppers. Frankly, son, right now, I couldn't give a shit. Go back to the coalface, the pair of you, unless you've got more egg-sucking tips for your granny. Top of the morning, Terry. I'm sorry, but just the way that you read it there reminded me of Dean Lerner from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I don't know, it had, it had more of a uh, Life on Mars vibe to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could do an Irish accent, but I can't. I bet you says, can, you just dance. He says, uh, Mother of God. Uh, a lot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can. I told you. Punk's throwing uh, up as we speak. Yeah, sorry, Punk. Sorry, uh, Ireland. He says, The Letter of the Law. Uh, he's just got all these sort of Teddisms, as they're called. But uh, yeah, I just I think it's up to, where are we now? Season. Is there season five just five? been on the BBC recently? Yeah, which is actually on Sunday evenings. Which is I've very heard the annoying. BBC have pumped millions into this, and it's slick as fuck. It's so good. Basically, it shows you the procedures about mm. corruption, how they investigate it. So you kind of see how that side of things are done. But it's just the drama behind what they discover and uncover. And each season, they get really good actors in. You've got Lenny James, um, Thandie Newton, wow. Kelly McDonald this season, uh, Stephen Graham. Each season, they've got like this really good actor to come in to play the lead role, depending on whether they're good guys or bad guys. Um, but there's a, a big conspiracy theory throughout the series. It's just, yeah, really well-written, well-acted, very exciting. My mum watches I it. I hate, I hate the fact that I have to wait every week to watch it. Oh, is it one of them? Yeah, my mum watches it. And she, she says she has to have a book with her with notes in it. Is it really that bad? Not necessarily. She like, um, writes little words and stuff like, I think it's him. Oh, this, this is one acronym yeah, I mean, I've, I've learned. The funniest thing is last episode, um, it ends on a cliffhanger and uh, Ted Hastings has got this piece of paper in front of him, but it's at the wrong angle, so it looks like it's almost upside down on your screen. Oh, she can't tell And he looks at it and he goes, mother of God, and then it ends. <laughs> and everybody basically all over the internet has paused that and taken pictures of it and tried to turn it upside down Jesus. to see if they can read it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like this kind of viral show that comes out once in a while that everybody just falls for. But it is wow. really- so I'm assuming once we finish this recording, you'll be heading straight to the iPlayer. Yeah, if not, I'll watch it tomorrow. But yeah, oh, so it's, it's a Sunday so night good. thing. Oh, shit. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's so, so good. It's so good. I debated about dropping this podcast purely for this series. What, and then just coming back to us when the series is not on, and then next yeah, year. Yeah, because you need me. Mate, we are lost without you. I'm not being fair. This episode is literally named after you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See? You're the beating heart of the show, and we need You're you. You're nothing without me. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Um, I, love, I love sassy Biggie. That's my favourite Biggie. Yeah, it's, it's a new Biggie. He's had a couple of pops, isn't he? Yeah, he has. He's had half a beer. 
Oh God, I hope I don't get stigged by the end of this. I feel stigged already, me, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the um, just last thing. Um, allegedly, it's inspired by true events. Make of that what you will. Ooh. Um, but the actual unit doesn't exist, but they have actually had one called AC-10. Um, and the writers work with ex-police advisors to keep the procedures as realistic as possible. So that, that kind of realism Shit. is really uh, cool. Excellent, excellent. Oh, and um, it's on BBC... One. One, I'm going to say. I is it, is it, did you say it's on Netflix as well, but not the new series? The original series up to four was on Netflix. I don't know if I've, it's still I've there. I've just but checked. It, it must be on the iPlayer. So. I, 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 I had a check. It's only season one on Netflix now. I, no, I guess. If, if I like season one... I might yeah, pay me, I guess, uh, my license fee and watch it. On yeah, my you're kidding. <laughs> I heard, I think a lot of stuff that used to be on Netflix from the BBC now is probably on BritBox. So they might What's have BritBox. Like, I've never even oh, heard of that. Of course, yes, yes. It's yes. like just another streaming service. It's a streaming service for the, like the BBC ITV and that. That's uh, right. Like got together and is made. it on Xbox? If not, I'm not bothered. <laughs> yeah, BritBox is on Xbox. Oh so. right, I might think about it then. Right, so, um, excellent. So that's uh, Line of Duty. And I have been also watching something on that there Netflix. Um, Ooh. It came out this week. It's called Love and Monsters. Ooh. So I'll give you the synopsis. So seven years after the monster apocalypse, Joel Dawson, played by Dylan O'Brien, <laughs> along with the rest of humanity, has been living underground ever since giant creatures took control of the land. After reconnecting... Over radio with his high school girlfriend Amy, played by Jessica Henwick, who is now 80 miles away at a coastal colony, Joel begins to fall for her again. As Joel realises that there's nothing left for him underground, he decides against all logic to venture out to Amy, despite all the dangerous monsters that stand in his way. It also stars Michael Rooker and Ariana Greenblatt. Um, Basically, this film is family-friendly Fallout. So, I'm interested. It's really. I watched it with a family. It's a twelve, so you've got to. You obviously, there's no, there's no blood, human blood. There's no um, explicit swear words. I don't even think there's a fuck in it. It's a load one fuck. I don't think there is one in it. Uh, I watched it with my kids, and they found it. Uh, it basically, it's Fallout meets Zombieland, but for families. Ooh. You, you, you're really selling this to me. At this yeah, point. it's. The wit- the way you described it, I was like, all I could think of was, I'm surprised they didn't try to just stick Cloverfield at the start of it. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that synopsis doesn't do it justice. So basically, um, I'll, I'll give you the, the opening minute of the, of the, of the film. Uh, basically, an asteroid was about to hit Earth, so Earth joined forces and decided to fire all its nukes at once. The nukes succeeded, the asteroid didn't hit Earth. However, the nuclear fallout irradiated anything with cold blood. See, they should have called Bruce Willis for this. Yes. Yeah, I was so thinking he's, like, he's, he's, he's an expert at this. <laughs> he's a great driller. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, they couldn't have called Bruce Willis because he died last time with the last asteroid, remember? Spoiler alert. Ah, true. So, ben yeah, Affleck's um, still around. Anything cold-blooded, so sea life, uh, insects, arachnids, that, those type of things, they've grown into mutants. So massive versions of themselves. Some are kaiju size, some are size of bears. Imagine a mosquito the size of a uh, falcon. You know what I mean? So all the friendly ones. Yeah, all the friendly ones. But the, the, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, there are friendly ones that have grown as well. Like a woodlouse wouldn't hurt you, but it's a big one. Or a snail <laughs> wouldn't hurt you, but there's a big one there. Do you know what I mean? So basically, it me. the main character, he's, he's in a fallout <laughs> shelter. He survived the initial onslaught of the world ending. Um, 
He's well-liked in his Fallout shelter. However, he's only well-liked because he makes a mean minestrone. He's not good at fighting. He's not good at scavenging. He's got a, a basically a massive fit. He freezes when anything scary happens. So he, he, fr- he freezes solid. So he's terrible. He's not a good uh, 20-something person in a... Would, would, would you say that he's a lover, not a fighter? He's a lover, not a fighter. So he's good at, <laughs> so fixing, he's good at fixing radios. He's good at... Cooking. That's about I, it. I can see where his character arc goes already without even having. To <laughs> oh, oh, dude, dude, it is, it, 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 it is by the book completely. Yep. You can guess everything that's going to happen. There's a little twist in it that is barely a twist, but it's just a great family romp. So he decides, you know what? I'm sick of being this this little nerd stuck in this shelter. I'm going to go find my lost love from when the world was good. Because this was his girlfriend before the world ended, but they got split up. And she's 80 miles away. And everyone's like, do not go on the surface. And he goes on the surface. And he meets people and and monsters. And it's just so good. And it's basically family-friendly, Fallout, Zombieland. It's it's one of my favourite Netflix films they've done in ages. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) it's a solid three out of five. But the fact that I could sit and watch it with my family just bumped it up massively. The kids were screaming like, ah, this is cool. It reminded me of 80s movies, you know, those family 80s movies. Yeah. And it's just, it's so good. I mean, you don't have to have kids to enjoy it. It's just good. It's like, there's no human blood in it, but believe me, there's a lot of gore. Creature gore. Do you know what I mean? I'm assuming they've got bright green blood and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's standard irradiated monsters. It's clever, and the CGI looks really good because I, I believe... Up close, some of these monsters are animatronics, and you can tell. And the actors, are, apart from Michael Rooker, they're quite um, unknown. Like the main actor, he was in the Teen Wolf series that nobody watched. And oh yeah, so they've saved money on it seems on the actors. The cast. But they are good <laughs> cast. They're a good cast. The, the up and comers, and everyone in it is really good. It's just, I, I reckon, if, if you don't, if you want to watch something with a little with a, that's a little bit scary, but don't like horror films, it's perfect as well. Because it's, it's not going to give you nightmares, but it make, it'll make you go, ooh, ooh, look at that. Do you know what I mean? It's thrilling. It reminds me of, like, caper movies from the 80s. You know what I mean? Indiana Jones and things like that. It's just, it's just solid, man. And I re- me and my kids enjoyed it, and Mrs. enjoyed it, and, yeah, I recommend it. Love and Monsters, it's on Netflix. It's number one in the UK at the moment, so you won't miss it on the big splash page. Just get yeah, it, give it that. some love. It's really fun. So that's what we've been up to this week. Um, now it's time. Biggie, take it away, hon. <laughs> the Oscars, BAFTAs, GMAs, Grammy Awards and Emmys... What are these if nothing more than a way for big media industries to pat themselves on the back on a job well done? Well, here at Modern Escapism, we say different. We say all these awards mean nothing, because as of today, the only true award that matters is the one we've created to celebrate those things and people that were criminally overlooked. We want to celebrate the forgotten, the snubbed, the people who deserved more recognition from their peers, like me, and we want to give them the highest honour in all of media. Ladies and gentlemen, variations thereupon, welcome to The Mees. It's the Biggies! 
And now, your host for the 2021 Biggies Awards. Please welcome to the stage, Oodles Odim. Hello, welcome to the first ever Modern Escapism Academy Awards for Snubbed Artists and Media, aka the Biggies 2021, brought to you by Holo Days. As you've experienced. <laughs> hi, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. As you've experienced, Modern Escapism is a community of like minded individuals. We're more than a podcast, we're a family, a movement, a culture for participants, volunteers, and supporters. Let's celebrate the past years of media and entertainment by acknowledging the great that never won the big awards, that were snubbed by the Academy, the Hollywood Foreign Press, and Jeff fucking Keeley. Today, could not have been possible without our fans. Please give a big round of applause for all their patience and who have given their time, effort, dedication and so much more to champion the podcast and make this a success. <laughs> and another big round of applause to our generous sponsors, Holo Days powered by Oculus and our sponsor Disney and Lucasfilm, <laughs> 20th Century Fox and Greg's The Bakers. Welcome to the Biggies 2021. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, let's start this prestigious event with the award for contribution to the stealth genre in video games, hosted by myself, Oodles. This award goes to the game Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell 2004. Round of applause. So, Splinter Cell. The reason I've brought this up is because I believe this game just hit those heights of... I don't, I don't know if you guys have, have, have remember it fondly as I do. I do. Um, oh, yes. I was deep into Metal Gear at the time. Deep into Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid. And this game, threw all that um, Eastern anime away for a, more, for a more Western, obviously Tom Clancy-inspired espionage tale. Now... The story of the original Splinter Cell, I can't remember it that much. That's because it's entirely forgettable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what I do remember is the pure adrenaline gameplay, the play with light and shadows. Mm. And yeah. basically, this game didn't win at the Spike Video Game Awards, as it was known at the time. Can you remember what won instead of this for Game of the Year? Absolutely mm. not. It was 2004, on, you fool. 2004. Yes. Think. Half-Life 2. No, it was Madden 2004. Fucking hell, okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, that was a good version of Madden, two fa- of Madden in general. Not disputing that. But uh, wow. Splinter Cell, come on. So it's a game that kicked off one of the gaming's greatest franchises. Uh, we'll forever remember Splinter Cell for the original Xbox. For me, in my head, it is an Xbox game. I know it came out on everything else eventually. Yeah. Well, technically it was a PC game first, because I played it on the PC. Was it? I'm with Oodles on that. I played it on the yeah. Xbox. It feels yeah, Xbox it, it, to it me. It feels... Yeah. Maybe that's just the colour scheme of the game yeah, as well. It was <laughs> green. Yeah, cover yeah. Art. <laughs> Splinter Cell was... I'm pretty sure it was out the year before on PC, and then it was ported to the Xbox, and maybe a I'm really not sure. bad port for the PS2. The PS2 port was dreadful. <laughs> yeah, the PS2 had, like, extra loading screens... Loading yeah. scenes before, before, like, halfway through missions and stuff. But I just, I just think Sam Fisher is one of the unsung heroes of, of gaming icons. He's up there with Master Chief and... People like Lara Croft. I think he's he, he, he himself played by Michael Ironside as well. What a what a 
voice. Oh yeah, that that that, that voice. I mean, it rivals David Hater's voice for solid. It does. And also, it, the, the actor's called Michael Ironside. He sounds like yeah. a fucking spy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's just. He's and Ubisoft have dropped so many hints that he keeps going to reappear. Yeah, he was. He was and in. He was in, in Wildlands, shitty... wasn't it? Ghost Recon Wildlands and yeah, stuff like just, that. Yeah, he's a weird character in something. I think I'm, wait, I'm waiting for, for him to get his uh, invite to Smash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him to turn up in Fortnite. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I think Splinter Cell deserves the award for best game of 2004. And please, if you're listening to this, prove me wrong. Because I think it's... it's, it's a, the series itself in general, even the low points, still better than some other games, you know what I mean? For some for, for some reason, people said you can't like Metal Gear and Splinter Cell at the same time. Well, I fucking did, and I liked them for different reasons. And Splinter Cell deserves the biggie. So, round of applause for Splinter Cell. And now to present the next award for modern escapism, it's Gadget. So, for the best sitcom featuring Danny DeVito. The winner is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is... If you're on the internet, you know of its existence. It is one of the most memed comedies of recent years. It's been running for 14 seasons. Uh, They're currently making the 15th season with no plans to stop. Um, It started life on... Its entire life has been on FX in the US and... It's been on a handful of channels over here, but most most people have watched it on Netflix. It follows the story of four terrible, well, five terrible people, um, who run a who own and run a bar in Philadelphia called Paddy's Irish Pub, um, and they are basically the best way to describe them is as scam artists. Every episode, they've got some new idea, some new caper, some new take. Um, the story follows. Um, uh, twin brother and sister uh, Dennis, played by Glenn Howerton, and Deandra Sweet D Reynolds, uh, played by Caitlin Olsen, uh, their f- uh, their friend Charlie Kelly, played by Charlie Day, and uh, Mac, whose full name is Ronald McDonald, uh, who's played is by Ro- yes, that is his full name. <laughs> his name in the show is Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yeah. uh, hence why he goes Mac, uh, played by Rob McElhenney. Uh, and then from the second season onwards, you get Danny DeVito as Frank Reynolds, uh, Dennis and Dee's uh, father. And it is possibly one of the most creative programs um, I've seen in a very long time. I binge watched through at the time when I watched it, the the, the uh, they were still making season thirteen, so I binged through the first twelve seasons of it in about two months. Um, they are unashamedly awful people, uh, and they get into the most ridiculous scrapes. But they every episode has some kind of message, which is usually these are terrible people. Fuck these people. There is long-running storylines. For instance, in one of the early seasons, um, uh, Dennis and Dee happen upon someone they went to school with who had had become a vicar. And they bullied him in school, mercilessly referred to him through through his entire life as a rickety cricket. Um, And he was madly in love with Dee. And as a result, they used that to get something from him, manipulate him into thinking Dee actually has feelings for him. He leaves the clergy. He tries to chase after her. She kind of brushes him off in the most unbothered way possible. <laughs> the man becomes homeless, and then he becomes a recurring character who gradually descends into worse and worse physical health, physical and mental health throughout every season. There's always, there's always a cricket episode in every season. 
Um, and they take great pleasure in winding him up. And it always blows up in their face. And that is the run of the show. It, it's like a lot of people compared the show to it's like a modern day Seinfeld because it is basic. It is essentially that because in Seinfeld, it was the same thing. They would have some it's scheme. cringe humor, isn't it? No, it's not not really cringe humor, but it was more that there would be some scheme or something happening oh, that, yeah, that yeah. the group would you try to use to their benefit and it would blow up in their faces. And it's the same <laughs> with um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There are some absolute standout episodes. Uh, Dennis and Mac moved to the um, uh, move to the suburbs is one of the funniest, <laughs> tensest episodes that you'll ever watch. Um, there's an episode where Dennis is trying to sell his beloved Land Rover, where he, the, one, in one of the greatest character moments from Glenn Howerton, he stands and screams on a dock at a guy. I, just, I was just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, at, at, at a guy who who wants to buy the car as a starter car for his daughter, and the line <laughs> goes something along the lines of, "You'll be taking the car with you on these trips." Me? Oh no. No, no, no. I'm, I'm looking for something for my daughter. Your daughter? Yeah. You know, safe, slow vehicle. Good starter car. A starter car. That's right. I have contained my rage for as long as possible, but I shall unleash my fury upon you like the crashing of a thousand waves! Begone, vile man! Begone from me! A starter car! This car is a finisher car! A transporter of gods! The golden god! I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds! The greatest one of them all is where the, the gang buy a boat. And you have this wonderfully awkward scene between Dennis and Mac, uh, where Dennis is, you, you know, Dennis is, Dennis is a ladies' man. He's always on, the, always on the take trying to get girls and all that. And they're buying kind of, like, equipment for the boat. And, and, and he, you know, they're talking about the kind of parties that they're going to have on this boat. And it's like, you know, we, you know we'll get women on the boat and we'll go out. And, you know, you know they'll, they'll sleep with us because of the implication. Max, oh, Max, Max stand there going, what implications? Says, well, you know, the implication that if they don't sleep with us, some harm might come to them. <laughs> what? That's awful. That's a horrible human being. Reaction because it just goes on, because he's going, you know, it, it, it's the implication of violence. Not, wow. Yeah. There, is, there are online theories that Dennis is actually a serial killer. Yeah, and it sounds like it. there's a fair bit of evidence to back it up. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. The greatest character in it is Frank because Danny DeVito has, is just allowed to get weird with it. In the, Christmas, in the Christmas special, for instance, and I'm going to give you this entirely context-free, he spends, oh, no. he spends a period of the episode hiding inside a leather sofa, but naked. <laughs> and then, and then he's forced to, in the, in the middle of a party, climb through it, a little bit like Ace Ventura climbing out of the rhino robot. Oh, God. But, but, oh, God. but naked. Danny DeVito. But, and but Danny DeVito, not a yeah. man in shape. Yeah, it's hysterically funny. And the saddest thing is, it's never been up for any major awards. Yeah, the I was only, about to say. The it, only it, awards it, it's ever been up for is um, like technical awards, so like set design and lighting yeah. and stuff like that. And I think there was one kind of adapted award for an episode where they parodied something. Um, it's not like a massive Grammy winner. Not Grammys. Um, Emmy winner. Emmy, no, Emmy, it, Emmy it, winner, it, is it? It hasn't even been nominated for Emmys. But, but there's a Joker. massive, massive, I mean, ravenous fan base. So like when I oh, say absolutely. thing in Discord, I don't, I've only seen series one and two. 
It's as if I've gone in at Christmas Day and pissed on the kids' presents. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why have you not watched it, you idiot? And the, the thing is, and it's worth bearing in mind with this, for all the horrendousness of what the characters get up to, they do a lot of actual really impactful episodes. They, they yeah, there's do an, poignant ones, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, they do an episode where in like season 12 where they rip off um, The Wiz, which is the, uh, the yeah, kind of... Wiz the Wizard of Oz. Well, no, not the... Well, yeah, the, the kind of the, the, the black culture musical remake yeah. of The Wizard of Oz. Um, and they kind of rip it off, and they do an episode showing what it is like to be a black person, and, yeah, and yeah. like the injustices that, that, that black people can face. But the one that always strikes to me is the season finale of, episode, of um, season thirteen, um, because and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but in season twelve, Mac finally comes out as gay. There's a lot of jokes leading up to that throughout the previous twelve seasons that Mac might be gay, mm. um, and he actually finally comes out of that. And in the last episode of it. Um, there is this sequence where Mac is trying to come out to his dad, um, who is his dad is fucking terrifying. Um, (laughs) Really, really scary man. And the way that he comes out is he, he does a ballet. Like Rob McElhenney actually trained. Rob McElhenney (laughs) trained for seven months with a professional ballet dancer, learned to dance from scratch like he wasn't wow. a dancer before that. Like the man is so committed to the role and to the to the gag. I mean, he he gained in in season seven. He gained fifty pounds for one joke throughout that ran throughout the season. But yeah, at the end of season thirteen, he has a scene and it's a ballet and it's the most impactful, beautiful six and a half minutes of television I've ever seen. Um, wow. And it resonated with me at the time because that's I saw that at the time that I came out as bisexual. Yeah, yeah, um, and it kind of. It really kind of reaffirmed that the message of that one is not everyone will get it, but the people who count get it. That's and that's what you want to see, though, isn't yeah, it? That's what you- even if you don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, watch that scene because mm. just the actual artistry of it is wonderful. And wow. it should have won awards. It, that, that episode especially absolutely should have won awards. And without doubt sounding like... Sounding from what your, your appraisal and Stig's appraisal and everyone on the internet's appraisal, it absolutely deserves a biggie. Oh, absolutely. And 100%. Enjoy it. Always sunny in Philadelphia for your first biggie, maybe not your last. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. And now, for Modern Escapism and 2009's Rear of the Year Award, it's Stig. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to see all of some wonderful faces out there. You, hey, you. Yeah, you. Yeah. Excellent. So... I'm here to present the rightful award for the 2015 Best Actor to Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. Because this one stings the most for me out of any, like, snub. Wow. Let's go with going. In all films I've watched in the last 10 years, this one... um, so this is one of three overlooked things that wind me up the most. Uh, the other being Ra- Rear Fines being ignored for Grand Budapest oh. Hotel. Despite the film and the director getting an Oscar nod, like the standout performance in the film just gets ignored. Mm-hmm. And the other is Your Name, which I touched on in one of our previous episodes uh, for Best Animation. Um, some tough, tough competition that year, to be honest. Uh, but the winner was Zootopia. Ooh. And... <laughs> I, I don't get that. I was looking this up earlier. I can't so that because I thought it was shit. Yeah, I was just like, let me just check. Let me just. I like that movie, but it's not a. Yeah, a I was just like, let me let me just check. I mean, that. Your yeah, name is 
beautiful. Your name is so much better. And um, Moana was that year as well. Which Moana's is a lot really better, good. Better than Zootopia. Yep. Yeah. Uh, My Life as a Courgette is an absolutely brilliant yeah. film. The Red Turtle as well. And, and Kubo and the Two String. Uh, oh, Kubo was brilliant. Kubo. They were the other films that year. And yet Zootopia won. And the worst got of the bunch. So yeah, yeah that, those, that, those, those just... That just really winds me up because it's such a beautiful film. But mm. back to Nightcrawler, like this film stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, and Riz Ahmed. Uh, to set the scene, if you haven't seen it, a nightcrawler is the term for people who work at night to chase down gory tragedies reported on police scanners, so they can be the first to the scene, record it, and then sell that footage to, um, you know, bid it off to news, big news, uh, co- yeah. yeah, news networks, yeah. Um, the lead it's a real character. thing, isn't it? It really Yeah, is. yeah, it's just a real thing. thing. It's not like it's just a made-up film thing for the film. Yeah. There are people in America who troll the, the cities in their vans yeah. at night and, and they'll they'll find something happening, a shootout or a Awful. fire or a car uh, an accident and get there and they'll film sells. it. Yeah, and they'll sell it off to news networks. Or a shocking Oscar result. Yeah, mm. yeah, they should have <laughs> been there that night, especially when you find out who the winner was. Um, so the lead character in this is Lewis Bloom, played by John Hall. He's a creepy sociopath videographer who mm. builds a thriving business in Los Angeles as an unscrupulously filming car accidents and murders, and yeah. also when necessary, sabotaging his competition. Bloom as a character is someone who's been pretty much done over in life, dehumanised a little bit by the kind of the trickle-down economy, like the fallacy of it. it it's yeah. the point. He's one of these people who have not benefited from the system as it is now. And, he's, you know, we start the film with him. He, he's a creepy at the start. You can tell there's something creepy about him from the start, but he starts, he's, he's, a, ch- he's a chipper man. He's, he's eager. He's willing to put himself forward and, you know, work for free just for the experience so he can kind of better himself in life to build on a career. But then as the cover of the course of the film, he starts to change and he, he's almost parasitic in the way he is, like the way that he latches himself onto Russo's characters, especially, and Riz Ahmed's, like he, the way he bullies and controls and manipulates them. Yeah. But this film, I mean, it's film itself, in my opinion, should have been nominated for, for best film. But outside of that, it's Hall's performance that stands out above anything else. sensational in it. Yeah, it, it's easily his best performance ever. Throughout mm. his whole career, Second I would best. say this is nah. This, for me, this is his best. <laughs> it's better, Prince of Persia. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> don't ever dis- stand in front yeah. of me. But people, like people at the time, saying that like drawing comparisons between him and like a young De Niro, like Ooh, yeah, for this no, role, I can see it. Yeah, and like the type of stuff that De Niro did in, in you know, his young taxi career, driver, like, taxi driver, it. and Raging Bull, and, yeah. and um, yeah, there is there's, there's King, an energy, King of, Com- King of Comedy, yeah. like. Someone he looked like De Niro used to lose himself so much into yeah, those roles, yes, like did, when he was yeah. younger. And and, and Gyllenhaal does when he was good. Yeah, Gyllenhaal does the exact same thing with this. You know, he he clearly took this role very seriously. Yeah. Um, he made himself look very pale and gangly and bug eyed. Sleep. Cause, yeah, because he 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 lost two and a half stone for the role. And mm. like, you know, you know, Gyllenhaal wasn't a big guy to start with, so losing that kind of weight is yeah, he's very yeah. gaunt looking, and he yeah. He did what you say about lack of sleep is he actually um deprived himself of sleep during the filming of this. It's crazy, isn't it? So he could so the character always looked kind of wired and on it and just crazy during the film. But like the way Jillian Hall plays his character is perfection. Um I agree. It's it's a role where you f- it's one of those ones, those rare ones where you kind of forget about the actor and you see the character. 
doesn't happen a lot because you know a lot of films are like well that's just so-and-so acting and he's doing a very good job but this one is one where you lose yourself completely in the film and you just see lewis bloom you don't see jake gyllenhaal gyllenhaal's really good for that because he was this it was the same with yeah. um with zodiac and with brokeback mountain you kind of yeah, forget yeah, that yeah he yeah, yeah absolutely i think yeah. people forget come i think people still think gyllenhaal as the donnie darko just staring at blank space kind of actor he's but so he's really method he can be really method yeah, yeah, he's he's great. He's one of my favorite actors, to be honest. Yeah, he's really he's seen good. Seen the um, the film Enemy like that. He's, he's yeah. great yeah. in that. I mean, the film is just an absolute head blag, but he's great to watch he's great on screen. It. He knows that he knows yeah. how to play a camera. He makes the characters really raw and intense, and I, yeah. I kind of love yeah. that that delivery of the corporate lingo he uses to impress the networks. Like yeah. he's walking, he's walking around like smiling and pointing, like kind of going, "Yeah, you, hey, how you doing? How's it going?" And like yeah. the kind of lingo he uses is like he's watched YouTube videos on how to get ahead in business and <laughs> how, how to make how friends to use, and not alienate yeah, people, how to use business speak and use it effectively. And, yeah. and he's taken that on board, like this is what I have to do, kind of thing. But then, like he's so good at just like switching character, like when he hires so, uh, Riz Ahmed. Ahmed's character and he's giving him all these this this and I'll pay you this and I'll and, and he's, he's he's really like on the ball isn't he he's really good yeah he's just like reeling it off quickly like yeah it's all like in his so head and ready just to like, go. what what okay sure yeah <laughs> but like yeah like he does such a good job of switching from that like like when yeah. Bloom's playing that like character to the network executives Mm. Um, he's completely different with, like, say, like Riz Ahmed's character, and then when he's alone with Rene Russo again, yeah. he's like very yeah. manipulative. Like the arc in this film is like he goes from being prey to predator. I didn't see, I didn't see its trajectory. It proper surprised me as a film. Yeah. I was like, what the, f-? you know what I mean? I, I was but, like, wow. It, yeah, but he plays this role so well that regardless of Lewis, Lewis Bloom is not a good person. No, but within the performance. Jillian Hall does enough for you to feel a tiny semblance of sympathy towards him. Yeah, he's not living the American dream like they're no. all promised. His 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 actions are terrible, but it's yeah. kind of like you feel because of the why he's in that situation. Yeah, it's yeah. very. It, it, but yeah, it's the way I was thinking about this today, and when we brought up when we talked about Joker last week yeah. about Hannah, the way. The Joker goes from where he's at to where he is. It's like he's done bad things, but you can kind of see where he's coming from and why he's ended up in that position. And I think that Hall in this does such a good job, like Phoenix does in that, of being able to turn it on and off between It's a bit, It's a bit being, devil's advocate. You sit there yeah. thinking, I understand why you've done this. You're not going to get away with it, but I understand. <laughs> I sympathise with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's one of those. Yeah, I, I just think he's brilliant. I think it is his great um, performance. And I think that when I looked up what was who was nominated that year, so nominations were Eddie Redmayne <laughs> for The Theory of Everything, okay. uh, Steve Carell as, from Foxcatcher, yeah. Bradley mm. Cooper, American Sniper, um, Benedict Cumberbatch in Imitation Game, uh, and Michael Ke- Keaton Birdman. Okay. Now, I, I give that to Keaton. I think... A Eddie Redmayne winning is just wrong. Yeah, it's he, not. Yeah, that, that role is is a good film and he plays a good part, but it's pure Oscar bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the music on that, everyone was saying, "Oh look, it's Oscar music." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, American Sniper. Fuck that. No, that is just pure US. It's US propaganda, and yeah, just, it is. It, you know, 
Benedict Cumberbatch's okay intimidation game. It's yeah. a good film. It's it's all right. But he's Birdman, good in I, I really enjoy Birdman. I think it's brilliant. But none of them stand out above Jill and Hall on this and to even not get a nomination. Do you know what I think it is? It's because it was, it was for me. It was after Jill and Hall's little. Uh, he, he had he had kind of like a Hollywood vacation. He, he, you didn't see him in things for a long time, and he came back with that. I mean, he might have done some little indie projects that I've not seen myself, but he didn't do anything big. And he came with, and I watched I watched that I watched Nightcrawler quite recently in, in the past couple of years, and I was like, fucking hell, why is Gyllenhaal not in everything? Yeah, he's so good in that. It's just, it's just so infuriating that he just. I think it's one of those cases as well where it is for some reason when it comes to Oscar season is unless your film is out between November, yeah. uh, end of November, yeah, there is start a time of February, they're just like, eh, not bothered. You know, the greatest film ever could come out yeah. the day after this year's Oscars. Yeah. And it would just get forgotten about the year for the next year. So I, I think, think timing is that, was not that the right thing, time. He does that where where he's a pretty man, but he can make himself not look pretty, which not a lot of pretty men can do that. Exactly. And, I find and it that's, hard. No, but that... <laughs> it's tough for you, Biggie. What are you laughing at? Nothing. But, but that's another thing about it is like, yeah, he's not, he's not Jake Gyllenhaal in this film. No, he's not. All. It's as far, far from as far from Jake Gyllenhaal as you can get, and mm. it's just an amazing performance that deserved more recognition. And everyone I've spoken to who's watched that film agrees. Yeah, I think it's sensational. So, yeah, absolute brilliant. Thank you for that. That's an excellent, excellent award and massively deserving of a biggie. And I think Jake will come and pick it up in person in the next couple of weeks from Stig's house. Yeah, big fan of the show. <laughs> big fan of the show. And next, for modern escapism and the president of the Biggies 2021, it's Biggie. Hi, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, this Woo! award is almost as handsome as me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tonight I am going to announce the winner for Best Picture featuring an ensemble and not a sinking ship. It's LA Confidential. <laughs> Lovely. Great film. So, LA Confidential is a 1997 American neo noir crime film. Mm. It was directed, produced, and co written by Curtis Hansen. A screenplay was by Hansen and Brian Heldland and is based on James Elroy's 1990 novel of the same name. Um, it's set in the 1950s and it features a group of LAPD officers who are at the centre of the mix of police corruption and Hollywood celebrity. The title refers to a 1950 scandal magazine, Confidential, portrayed in the film as Hush Hush by the beloved yes. Danny DeVito. Hey. Award-winning. There, conce- <laughs> there were concerns from the studio uh, in using relatively unknown lead actors in Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe at the time. Um, Russell Crowe should have been awarded Best Supporting Actor, in my opinion, for his role as Bud. But they were um, also supported by the likes of Kim Bassinger, David Danny DeVito and Kevin Spacey, amongst others. It was nominated for Best Picture, amongst others, but it lost out to Titanic in every other category it was nominated <laughs> in. It did win Best Adapted Screenplay and the Best Actress for Kim. But I just love this movie. I, have seen I do, it mate. So I'm with you, times. 100%. It just features an incredible cast. Um, the story is brilliant. That acting is just right up there. The score was superb. The setting, 
in the 1950s. They delivered that. You just felt like you were there. Um, and I just think the fact that it lost out to the Titanic, which I don't rate at all. Yes, I've worked on cruise ships, but just the scene of the <laughs> ship. Allowed to watch some cruise ship. <laughs> it's like, that's not realistic. It wouldn't do that. <laughs> we go but straight through just, the iceberg. And, and I just think the fact that this movie ends on such a great climax and the fact that the the reveal is just dropped in earlier in the movie that you just wouldn't pick up, up on it as well. It's just so good. So, so good. And I just ask everyone to reevaluate and rewatch it. What, what, what I love most about it is the, is the casting of Guy Pearce and the role he plays because, like, at that point in Guy Pearce's career, he was coming out of Neighbours and he was trying his best to, to get away from being the pretty boy soap actor. So, in a, in, yep. a, in a significant one two punch, he does Priscilla Queen of the Desert and LA Confidential. Yep. Oh, I love Priscilla yep. Queen of the Desert. Oh, they're both, and they're both great films. But, like, if you compare his character in Neighbours to the ones he plays in his first two major films, it's like, wow. You wouldn't this... put him down for this. You know, Guy oh, Pierce does one act. of the best. He does one of the best American accents from an Australian ever. Oh, aye. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. really good at it. I didn't even know we were from Neighbours for years. Even though he was Australian. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he's, oh, he's very Australian. Australian. Yeah. He's more Australian he's than in fact, um, <laughs> yeah. There was a mention about um, the guy was worried about having two Australian um, actors in the leads. And Guy actually turned around and said, well, for your information, I was actually born in Britain. Yeah. And he's um, not actually Australian. He said, Russell Grant, is, although he's Australian, no, Russell Grant, Russell, Russell Crowe. Russell Grant. Is a completely Can you imagine Russell Grant movie. in this? It'll be a very different film. But Russell Crowe is, um, <laughs> he's a, uh, what's your Harris Gump darling? He sees himself as a New Zealander, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like, I, I know he's Oceania type. And I, I know, Oce- you know, Oceania, check you out, George Orwell. <laughs> I know, I know, I know that. I know that in Neighbours he had a full, thick Australian accent. Maybe yes, we're putting it on, did. but he's got a really good American accent. I've just looked up what the nominees were for that year. And just Titanic, I think, basically. Titanic. No, I think Titanic is the lesser of all the films that were nominated. So what else was there? But as good as it gets, right? The full Mon- the full Monty, Goodwill Great Hunting, and, and LA Confidential. Fuck me, that's a lot of good films. A lot Goodwill of films Hunting, yeah, sensation. Titanic. The thing yeah. is, in, in, there's a conspiracy on the internet. We're reading up on this. It's Oscar bait music. So if it's got a music, a, a soundtrack key to it that the Oscars resonate with, and think of Titanic, it's got that music, hasn't it? But yeah, back to LA Confidential. Yeah, no, that's it. Uh, that's all I wanted to say about it, really. I, I, just I think, think if you've, not, if you've not watched it, just just watch it. There's a really good Blu-ray version of it as well with a load of documentaries on it. That like, yes. like the documentaries are longer than the film, and it it was painstakingly created. This movie, yeah, it took a yes. lot out of the whole production, and I think it deserves a lot more than it got. I think it's incredible. I'm surprised it didn't win actually because it's set in LA and the fucking yeah, love you'd that. Think so. you'd think <laughs> Anything set in LA about Hollywood, they absolutely love. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Excellent. Thank you. And LA Confidential absolutely gladly accepts its Biggie Award. Fantastic. <laughs> and now from Modern Escapism, the host, Oodles. Hello again, everybody. This award is for being better, and its marketing campaign would have you believe it is. It's Dark Souls 2, everybody. We knew it was coming. It's here. So Dark Souls 2 should have been the Game of the Year winner of the 2014 Game Awards. Aside from a few tedious sections such as the gutter, which was more complex than Blighttown, the game went above and beyond in its own merit from 
from software's Dark Souls 2 had a healthy amount of content with locations like Drang Lake Castle and the Iron Keep, enjoyable PvP and a new game plus that is binge-worthy. There are too many reasons to go back and give this game another playthrough. It has since been updated to the Scholar of the First Sin edition, which makes it an even better package. It lost the Gotti Award to what? Can you remember, guys, what it lost the Gotti Award to? 2014. Oh, Would it be like Kills or Shadowfall or something like that? It lost to Dragon Age, as Stig said. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, a game I have started playing four times and got bored (laughs) after the first few hours. What I need to say is Dark Souls 2 isn't the black sheep of the trilogy. It's a sensational game. Praise the sun. Have you all played it? Of course. I haven't played a single Dark Souls. You know this. And, uh, right. also, also, Oodles, I'm very, I'm very impressed that it's taken you 32 episodes to finally talk about Dark Souls 2. I know, I know, because <laughs> I love it. I absolutely I, I think it's one of those rare games that people don't like it because Miyazaki didn't direct it. And yeah. I think that's the only reason they don't like it. It's yeah, like it doesn't, no, yeah, it doesn't get talked about much. I mean, I don't know, but like everyone talks about Dark talked Souls about or Dark Souls Three. Like very little I've ever heard it's because about people it went away too. from it went away from the what 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 um, Demon Souls and Dark Souls did. It was. Is it any easier? Yes, it is easier. It is actually. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of player concessions in it. Yeah, it is easier, and it's it's to the point where I, in my opinion, it's the most replayable of the trilogy. There's so much content in there. Now, because it's been remastered and it's got all the DLC, whichever version you buy, it's got everything in it. It's got to be 150 hours worth of content, minimum. Easily. Minimum. I do do agree with a lot of people in that the the biggest problem with the game is the DLCs are the best part of the game. Yes, I agree. Not because the main game is bad, but because the DLCs are like next tier above them. Yeah, yeah. the, 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 The problem with Dark Souls 2 is... It had a really fractured um, development process, and it was basically built and scrapped twice before it was yes. finally put together. So, whereas the first Dark Souls had a very tight vision, and everything and people weren't expecting it as much either. No, and people, Dark people, yeah, people had no expectations for Dark Souls. Yeah, um, but it had a very tight vision, and it was basically refined to a, to a knife's edge. Like it was very yeah. Miyazaki is a very specific director. He's like. Yes. He's like the Quentin Tarantino of game directors. Like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be right. Yeah, you have to be able to see every environment in the distance. Yeah, for it with to Dark- count, for it to exist. With Dark Souls Two, they changed directors halfway through. The game wasn't yep. the first two versions of the game weren't actually fun, um, and also Bandai Namco were kind of really pushing for the game to come out in 2014, when really the yes. game kind of needed another year um, yeah, because it it, of, of all the setbacks. So. The game that came out, it wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't as good as the first game. And they fixed all of that with Scholar of the First Sin, at least in my it's opinion. Just, it, it, made, it made it superior. That it's, like, it's like if you can get the original version, it's very difficult to get hold of the original version now. You'd have to play it offline, wouldn't you? Um, uh, yeah. The original version, it's, it's a lot more barren than the updated version. You won't, you won't know if you've never played it before. And, and the fact that people expected it to be a sequel because of the number two. And it's it's in the same universe. Barely. But it's not a follow-on. <laughs> Barely in the same universe. It's not yeah. a follow-on. And people didn't like the fact that it went a bit more 
gamified rather than so basically Dark Souls 2 is a the, the main hub is a circle and you go off on spoke and like a like a wheel yeah. you go to different sections unlike Dark Souls 1 where it's just a labyrinth so yes i can confirm that it, may, <laughs> it makes it easier for people that are not attuned to that way of playing get into it there's a lot more weapon variety there's a lot more fashion and you know i love fashion it would win a fashion award <laughs> Oh yeah, and these power stances, these things like when you get to a certain level, you can wield the weapons that you've been wielding for so long differently. So there's a, there's even more replay value to it, and it's I just think it gets overlooked because of yeah, it was rushed. Um, Bandai and Namco literally have admitted to saying you need to make this game harder before you bring it out because we've we've marketed it as the hard the hard game get yeah. good so they made it harder and then when the scholar of the first sin edition came out they balanced it they balanced it perfectly if you've played both versions which like i say it's very difficult to play the original version the original version seemed a lot harder because enemies just had bigger health pools and things like that and there weren't as many item drops there weren't as many weapons but this redefined version the scholar of the first sinner version which is probably the only version you're going to find yeah it's just it's just perfect it's perfect souls like it's it's a great don't get me wrong there are parts of it where you'll go up an elevator and end up in a lava mansion which makes no sense (laughs) but it's timey-wimey and spacey-wacy it's not as interconnected as the first game but just fuck it don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just enjoy I it. I have it also ready to go when I need to. I genuinely think, Biggie, from, from your background of gaming, you'll prefer two because it's more of a, a game game than Dark Souls 1 is. Dark Souls 1's... It, I always see it as... Dark, Dark Souls 1's like a really, really, really beautiful painting in the Louvre. Dark Souls 2 is a digital version which you can zoom in on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you can get you can get further in. You can, but it's I not the you. real thing. It's 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 a mo- it's, it's like hollow days. It's hollow days. Yeah, proud sponsors of the biggest. Uh, it's it's just it's just a really good game. It's not gonna it's not gonna change your, your your opinion on the series. It's just solid. And it lost to Dragon Age Inquisition, which for me is one of the <laughs> most boring fantasy RPGs I've ever played. And I like Dragon Age one and two and two shit. <laughs> but Dragon Age, oh, I can't get into it. Have you guys played Dragon Age Inquisition? I no. I, I looked at it once and fell asleep. Yeah, it's yeah, I, so I tried boring. And I couldn't get into it. It's going to be people it, it, screaming it, it, at us. Like for me, Dragon Age Inquisition, it doesn't have the action or the charm of something like, say, I don't know, like Diablo Three, which was out at around, yeah. around the same time. It doesn't have the entertaining jank of Skyrim. It doesn't mm. have. The multi- it doesn't have the conversations like Mass Effect. No, it doesn't have any multiplayer, so you couldn't even like have an interesting MMO out of it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just a dull. It it's just fantasy fucking shit. But people loved it. It got Game of the Year so much, and Dark Souls Two came out in the same year. So please, if you've fallen off Demon Souls or Dark Souls, try Dark Souls Two. It's the game version of Dark Souls. It's a game rather than a a rite of passage, and it deserves a biggie. And now again, from modern escapism, <laughs> it's Gadget. Oh my god, I'm back up here again. God, will you turn these fucking lights down? It's so bright up here. <laughs> Where's my whiskey? 
Uh, anyway, yes, I am here to um, to to present the award for best action film, tied also with best use of a helmet in a film. I'm talking about 2012's <laughs> Dread, the um, the newest adaptation of Judge Dread, brought to the cinema, um, directed by Pete Travis and written by Alex Garland. Completely undoes the atrocity that was the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread from 1990. <laughs> I am the law. I am the law. I am the law. I am the law. Adrian. It stars Carl Urban as uh, the titular Dread. Um, we also have Lena John Heady. Dredd, isn't it? John <laughs> Dredd. His name yeah. John. Pretty sure it's John Dredd. Judge John Dredd. Yeah, just because they like that alliteration. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, also starring Lena Headey as the baddie. Um, oh, yeah. Olivia Thirlby and Wood Harris are also in this one, who I don't recognise their names at all. But essentially nope. essentially, the problem with Dread was that it was a film about um, about them ascending a tower block in Mega City 1 to get rid of, I think there was to rescue some hostages and to get rid of a load of baddies, which was coincidentally in the same year as The Raid came out. Yes. And The Raid was a... Much more popular film. film. Uh, it was a sensational film in its own right, but I like Dread because Dread is a fantastic Comics. film. I don't, Ace. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have much to say about it. It is just a really good film. Carl Urban does a fantastic job playing he's Judge the Dredd. Best, he's the best Dread. full stop. Yeah, he is an actor who understands 2008. He understands the source material. He has a love for the source material because Carl Urban, yeah. as we all know, is a fucking gigantic nerd in the yeah. best way possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, this is this is a man who starred in Lord of the Rings and The Boys and Judge yeah. Dredd. Like the man's nerd. bounced around a lot of nerdy, <laughs> uh, nerdy properties. He remembers the one key rule is that Judge Dredd never shows his face, ever. Ju- as far as the world should be concerned, Judge Judge Dredd's face exists from the the, the end of the nose downwards. That's all it of his face that eyes, exists. Does it? I, I, Andy gets that perfect. Like how uh, how he maintains that scowl. Oh, the scowl's perfect. His scowl is, he can't yeah. fucking see. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lena Headey plays an excellent baddie and we already knew she was she was an excellent at playing a baddie because she we had already seen her as Cersei at that point um, I think this is better than Cersei it's it's more unhinged Ooh, I think yeah. it's, 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 I don't know about that character, well I mean okay maybe not by the end no, of no, Game of Thrones but by that point yeah yeah, the character she was playing was kind of genuinely unhinged it has a really cool it, it takes it takes the 2080 aesthetic, but then kind of marries it up with kind of what it would it what what it would look like in real life, with also like a tinge of cyberpunk to it. Yeah, uh, it's got a banging soundtrack. Um, it looks brutal. It sounds brutal. It's There's got loads much... of practical effects. Oh, it, well, I think it's all practical effects apart from a, a few things with the with the the bikes oh, and the, the city, obviously. Yeah, in the city. Yeah. Um, it was made on a very small budget. I'm trying to find what the budget. But you can't was tell. From. You can't tell it's made on a small budget. So it was made for it was made for thirty million dollars. Wow! Um, but it only that is low, but, isn't but it? its box office takings in profit were only forty one and a half million dollars, which is it deserves why it, so much. more. It deserves so much more, oh, but wow. it's obviously Did why it hasn't had its sequel since then. I know there's been the constant talk about another film um, or yeah, a TV series. Dread, Dread versus Death, wasn't there? It was, yeah. that's what there was. Yeah. Uh, which would have needed. Oh, which, 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 really want to see that. I would love to see that, but the the amount that would have been hundred million dollar film. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You have to have a CGI judge death forever, all the way through it. 
Exactly, um, and I'm just I'm, I'm actually now just like uh, looking down Wikipedia to find like the awards on it because the thing is, Dread wasn't actually nominated for for an Oscar. That's ridiculous. Um, it, it wouldn't never get it wouldn't get nominated for an Oscar. I, I think I think Dread is on an MTV Movie Award kind of level, isn't yeah, it? But it didn't yeah. get any of them. But and yeah, I was just looking, and it, and it should have got, it should have been on there at least. At least Carl Urban should have been. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong. I think the Raid is better, and the Raid Two is just fucking batshit. But yep. I still think Dread deserves some recognition, even if it's just for um, leading cast or stunts or just the award for how the fuck did you make this for thirty million dollars so, or what? See, so you, you make a good point there, right? Which is I was going to bring this up. Again, later, but I'll bring it up now. Stunts. Mm. Why the fuck is there no award for stunt work? Yeah, which is one of the hardest parts of a You have awards awards for makeup and and, 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 uh, clothing and everything else. And rightly so, because it all all contributes towards the film. So why is there nothing to do with stunts? Because even... Because in the 80s and 90s, Jackie Chan would have won it every time. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfectly fine. But he's allowed to. Even... Even the smallest films where you don't think oh, there was no stunts in this, yeah. there, there, there is. There's a lot of stunts yeah. in like They have, they, they have really stunts like getting into a car because the car's too low down so they won't let the lead actor do it. Yeah. You know or, or just driving a car. Driving like, a car, yeah. Yeah. yeah but the, the thing is, there's some absolutely brilliant stunt work in Dread. And, yeah, exactly. And, and there is. And, and again, as you say, not much of it is CGI because they didn't have the budget for that, so they did the practical effects. Even... You know, even if it was like for for the fucking MTV Movie Awards or the Sci-Fi Movie Awards or anything like that, Dread should have had People a lot. People love more... those little astronaut statues. Yeah, it's, Dredd, it's a worthy Dredd, award. Dread should have had some trophies, and I won't hear a word against it. I, it needs I, more love anyway from like outside. If of... If you've not the, watched like, Dread, cult. yeah, and you're listening to this, stop it. Pause it. We'll allow it this once to pause it's it and the watch the film. Oh, it's Dread such a good is film. really, really good. It is. It is a Western raid. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot less fly, uh, like flying kicks, but lot more it does enough though. different to differentiate it. You could even have a raid dread marathon, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it'd work in yeah. unison perfectly. And There's the more incendiary ammo for, for me for my money, and I'm a big 2000 AD oh, fan. Shots. That is the best looking Mega City One I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it looks Middle Eastern. It looks like apocalyptic. It looks how you'd expect a city the size of a country would look. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 it's vertical. It's beautiful. It's oh, it's so good. Yeah, give me more dread. That's all I'm asking. Give me more dread. <laughs> dread. Dread versus death. I'll fund it myself. Here's ten pound. Make it. <laughs> Take all that holidays money instead of uh, spon- yeah. sponsoring natty award shows. Absolutely, <laughs> this award shows is, is not. It's a great award show. And now, for modern escapism again. It's Stig. Hey! He's had a I'm few back. things to drink. <laughs> I have been smashing that free bar. I am Stigged. <laughs> Let's get on to the new... What is this? <laughs> Winner of Best Drama Series. The Wire. Woo. Oh, yes. The Wire. The Wire, arguably one of the greatest TV dramas of all time. If you look up any list of greatest TV shows of all time, 99% of the time, you will find The Wire on that list. Yeah, agreed. Yep. Anyone who's watched The Wire will have 
probably have this in their top ten. This top five. yeah, if there it's in my top five. Yeah. My top two. Oof, just beaten wow. up just just beaten up by the Sopranos. Yeah. Um, the show tells the story of the Baltimore drug scene as seen mm. through the eyes of drug dealers and law enforcement. So you see it from both sides. This isn't a cop show. This isn't a like this is a people show, street level show. This is yeah. yeah, it's it's about both sides, and you yeah. see it like yeah. Um, it's the show that starred and propelled the likes the careers of the likes of Dominic West, Idris mm. Elba, um, Michael Kenneth Williams, and it's undoubtedly one of the best written shows of all time. It's so grounded in reality. It's like one of the grittiest and rawest representations. But still of, slick as well. Yeah of, yeah, of the drug problems in American communities you'll probably ever see in a drama. The yeah. scripts, the acting, the directing, everything in this show is exemplary. Mm. However, having said all that, The Wire will forever be the biggest Emmy snub of all time. Agreed. This show was not nominated for any of its great work across acting. Uh, sorry, wow. did not win anything across acting, writing or directing. It was only Alex. ever, yeah, it was only ever nominated twice for writing. Wow. So in its whole, so its whole show, a show that's brimming with amazing acting, directing and writing, it never received a single award. It baffles me how, I mean, the Emmys are very, it's a very weird show, yes. the Emmys, because they have, comedy and musical over here and then drama over here. And that's all that's, they seem to just put them into that. But yeah, the wire never ever receiving a nomination for best show at least. So what did, what, so, what won it when that came out? So I, I went, I went and look at this and these are great shows in my opinion. So at the same time, the likes of the Sopranos, the West mm-hmm. Wing and Six Feet Under were all getting nominated. Nominate. Yes, that is a tough category, though. It's a tough category, but it should be in there because when you consider the other nominees during its run were CSI. Boring. Uh, 24, which I love 24, but it's yeah, not better than The I Wire. I think 24 is a bit trashy. Oh, it get, gets worse. Popcorn-y. It starts off I love really 24, but it's a bit then... popcorny, isn't it's it? Not 24 won one year in there. I think it was for its fi- one of its final series. I think it's probably more of a we've nominated this so many times. It's got to win. Let's, it's got. Let's give it its yeah, yeah award. But and I think a lot of these as well were probably nominations based on the zeitgeist at the time. Lost heroes. Lost is not good. I'm going to say it on record now. Great. Lost is not a good show. You can write in and argue with me. It is. It started bad. off as the best show in the world. What, the first episode, then, yeah. The first series, yeah, no, the it, first series it, is it brilliant. It sets it up really well. No, it is shit. It's not the first series. It's brilliant. It, all, it leaves yeah. you with all these things. But that is typical J.J. Abrams. We're not Fuck here to get Abrams. to that. That is, t- that is typical Abrams. I've set up this world. Now I'm, I'm just going to go fight bye. JJ and, I'm going to yeah. fight him on the streets. But these, these were good shows. Lost Heroes, Grey's Anatomies, when they, uh, Boston Legal and Dexter. They're all good shows when they first came out and you can see why they got nominations. Like it, These were new shows that were the big talk of mm. the internet and everyone was watching Oh yeah, them. they were all there. Per- perfectly fine to get nominated. But the fact that The Wire in all of that run didn't, get even a single nomination. Mate, just... if it weren't for people chatting all the time at work, I would never have watched The Wire. It was such a It's so good. good. Like oh. the um the one year, the first the first season of The Wire that year was Sopranos, West Wing, Six Feet Under, Twenty Four and CSI. Yeah. You could easily get rid of CSI is just gubbins. Mate, yeah. just CSI is 
fucking oh there's, there's there's like five good episodes of CSI and they've copied other mm. things. Yeah, like but the, yeah. One of the best CSI episodes is copying Kill Bill Volume Two, the the, the buried. <laughs> Do you remember that episode where Tarantino actually directed? I, I, no, I've, I've just seen like a um, episode, few episodes here and there, and it's just like compared to The Wire, it's just... Oh, my God, we found really his close. sperm all over these curtains. Some some of the way they come... Yeah, they come, they come up with... Some of the ways they come up with like catching things, it's like, whatever. But yeah, I, I, I'm so I'm wanting a biggie for best drama series to... Uh, correct the wrongs that The Wire was never given an award for best show or even a nomination. Yes, and if you're listening to this, I have seen the collection for £20 on Blu-ray. Get it. You will not be let down. Whoa, whoa, I'm sorry. Did you just say The Wire is going for £20? £20. I've seen it. I've seen it recently. Get it. Tell me where. I will send you the link. (laughs) It is a sensational show. For my money, he absolutely deserves a biggie. And... I hope Idris would accept this award on The Wire's behalf. I know he listens to the show, and we'll send it out in the post. Excellent. <laughs> Again, the president of the Biggies, it's Biggie. Oh, yes, I am bad. Thank you, thank you. What, what? Yes, yes, I am breathtaking. <laughs> yes. No, not you. <laughs> so, yes, I'm here uh, to announce the winner of Best Actress Award for 2018. And tonight it is Hereditary with Tony Collette. Now, I have mentioned this movie before, but in case listeners aren't aware, Hereditary is a 2018 American supernatural. Supernatural? What is wrong with me? <laughs> supernatural. <laughs> it's supernatural, baby. Banging out these episode titles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a supernatural horror drama uh, written by. Ari Aster and directed. Um, he also did Midsummer, which I really recommend. Oh, yeah. Um, it was his directorial debut. And as previously mentioned, it stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolfe, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne as a family haunted by a mysterious presence after the death of their grandmother. Rotten Tomatoes puts this best. Hereditary uses its classic setup as the framework for a harrowing, uncommonly unsettling horror film whose cold touch lingers long before, beyond the closing credits. And I thought about this movie a lot. It really got some, its teeth into me. It it just hovered in my mind. Days after watching it, I just thought it was so good. I actually watched it two days later after watching it. I I just had to watch it again. Um, Having experienced grief myself more times than I care to mention, her performance of um, her character's stages of grief which is incredible, whether it's the initial shock or that fog that you go through afterwards and then to the, the climatic end of the movie. Um, she was 100% snubbed, in my opinion. I think Tony Collette's uh, she really was... unsung as, a, as an actor, to be Oh, honest. I mean, from... I first saw her in... Little uh, Miss Sunshine, Sixth I saw. Oh, she uh, was in Sixth Sense as well, yeah. Seen. Yeah. Um, but she's had a fantastic career. Yeah. But she was uh, nominated for various awards for no less than 11 times for this performance. She won wow. five, but none of the big ones. Mm. Um, for the Oscars in 2018, Frances McDormand won it for three billboards. That is a really is good a great film, movie. though. <laughs> great performance. But personally, I just feel Tony Collette was just better. But unfortunately, horror generally tends not to get it. Doesn't win, does it? Feel. 
So she uh, would have been up for the um, Oscars in 2019. Um, I'm not sure who the other nominees are. Um, I haven't had a chance to find that Just out. Just Stiggle now. Yeah, yeah. Olivia Coleman won that for the favourite, playing Queen Anne. Um, she, to be fair, she, she she's brilliant in that. Yeah, she, yeah. I, I, I thought it was really good. I can't disagree with that one. Yeah, yeah. Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born, and Melissa McCartney like for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I really like A Star Is Born. <laughs> I like the original. I, I, get, I, get okay, a lot, but... I get a lot of shit for liking that film, but I think it's a really oh, it's good, a good film. Movie. I like Bradley I just Cooper in it. He's really good. Any other kind of movies like that? You yeah, know, but I I do agree that Tony Collette should have been in the in the chatter for that year because you know when people brilliant. talk about um, horror films and stuff, they talk about this. They, they always they always bring up Hereditary. It's like it's like one of the modern staples of horror now and thriller, mm. should I say? It's it's like oh it's it's up there. Do you know when when people people like do a, a like a modern list of horror films because. I think horror is not what it used to be. Horror used to be about oh, Freddy, Freddy so Krueger attacking teenagers and Jason Voorhees attacking anyone that did anything illegal. But nowadays, horror is more it's sophisticated. It's it's not slasher. It's, it's do you know what yeah, I mean? Hostel, hostel. Those kind of movies ruined gore because it just became yeah yeah it's just repetitive. Yeah. We've all seen gore and, and it's saw worked. the saw movies and stuff like that. Yeah. But now, so I hereditary, think hereditary is, is, is just more it's cerebral, unsettling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I, and I like, I, I'm looking for movies like that now that make Absolutely. me think more and keep me on the edge. Agreed, mate. Not all the time. Don't get me wrong. Not every day. Just uh, <laughs> every morning I, I sit up and like watch that. Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be on edge. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, that's and my choice for my biggie. Excellent. So, yep, it well and truly, and she re- well and truly deserves a biggie. So brilliant. Um, and now for modern escapism. The host of Modern Escapism, Oodles, with his final nomination. Hello, uh, this is my last pick. Uh, this is the award for most believable forbidden passion and true love, and it goes to Brokeback Mountain, directed by Ang Lee. So, Jack Nicholson couldn't contain his surprise at the 2006 Academy Awards as he announced that Crash had bested Brokeback Mountain for Best Picture, <laughs> even mouthing "Whoa!" at the podium. Brokeback, a love story between two cowboys, Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, had been the favourite to win. But Crash, a drama centred around racial tensions in LA, ultimately took Best Picture. It's gone down as one of the biggest head scratches in Oscars history, with even Crash writer-director Paul Haggis questioning his win. Was it the best film of the year? I don't think so, Haggis said in a 2015 interview. Now, I think Brokeback Mountain is one of those films that will stand the test of time it's very progressive it's a believable love story it's a forbidden love story it's the fact that these two gentlemen had wives at home and they went out to work for six months on a mountain and fell in love they were both but both of the actors surprised that they fell in love with each other but it just did and that's what the forbidden love is it's i i, I don't when when I first watched it, I was like, oh, I'm not watching this. I, I, I'll be honest, I was a bit bigoted about it. I was like, I'm not watching this. It's about gay cowboys. But it's not. I'm being honest about it. That's what I was feeling at that time. And then I watched it. It's not about gay cowboys. It's about two people falling in love. And they shouldn't have fallen in love. But it's circumstances, isn't it? 
No, well, no it, it, it's not that they shouldn't have fallen in love. It, they, they fell in love quite naturally. The, the problem is it's the society oh, it's they natural. lived in at the time. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. Like, I've, I, I've seen it, and one thing that I kind of enjoy with it is that it's very respectful of their love. Like, it's not... You, 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 you see yeah. a lot of kind of, like, moments of kind of gay romance in films where, unless they're Oscar bait films, um, like, is it yeah. Moonlight, Moonlighting that was a couple of years ago? Yeah, Moonlighting, yeah. But yeah, a lot of films that represent, like, kind of um, gay relationships can be very um, gratuitous with it. And the, the, yeah. a, a lot of gay relationships in films aren't um, tra- aren't treated with the same respect as straight relationships. So seeing how they did in mm-hmm. Bad Mountain was actually really refreshing. Like it's so like, progressive, wasn't it, for the yeah. time? It 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 it's just portrayed as two people falling in love naturally. Love. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't lean on the fact that they're gays. They're no, men. you know they don't, the, it doesn't do that kind of thing. Which it's a the lot fact of that they were married the to past. people back at home, wasn't it? That was the, yeah, the, yeah. That's the, the forbidden the, part of it. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, the fact that he came off the back of Hulk and The Hire, which, not big fan, and I like Ang Lee as a director. Like, we, we've got Life of Pi, Crouching Tiger, and Sense and Sensibility. Do you know what I mean? He, he did really, really fucking powerful, poignant films, but I think this is his magnum opus. I think, I, I just think, I think it's perfect. And Crash, yeah, I've seen Crash, but it's wholly forgettable. It's completely mm. forgettable. Like you've probably all totally seen agree. Crash, but what were your favourite moment? I've never watched it the because crash. everyone just said how crash shit it was. Itself. So I just, I just. It's messy. Bother. It's a messy film. It's got a good. It's got a good message. I've seen the other yeah. film called Crash. Now that's a very different film. Yes. It's it's very very much <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Brokeback Mountain, just just cinematography wise, the fact that Ang Lee's not scared to just look at nature. For an extended period of time, it's just it just shows his artistry as a director, and the cinematography as the fact it doesn't. I don't think it specifically tells you the time for. I know it's like the seventies, eighties, isn't it? Something like that when it's set, but it doesn't specifically tell you. All you know is that these men have to go work on the mountain to provide for the families, and I think that's I, I, it. I think yeah, I think it's one of those. It doesn't matter when it was set. Yeah, it doesn't be, matter, be, does it? Because they're completely isolated from the, from the, yeah, from the rest of society. Months and months. And it's, this is going to sound weird to say, it's a refreshingly claustrophobic film. Because, oh, it is, yeah. Because 99% of the film you spend with just these two people. Yeah, yeah it's very intimate, yeah. isn't it? It is and, very intimate. But it's, I, don't even th- I don't even want to call it intimate because like I, said, I, I think it feels like a bit more claustrophobic because it is, they are in such close quarters. Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. It, and, and, oh, I mean, it's, it's, with them, yeah, when you're the viewer with yeah, them, you're there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Not their relationship, it's just the fact that you're there seeing yeah, it happen. Um, and, you know, there's that kind of that initial awkwardness when they're kind of sorting through their feelings for each other and kind of until something happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a fair bit of tension and a fair bit of uncomfortableness about it. And I think it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's almost like watching like, a, watching like a teenage romance film where you've got characters who are explicitly don't know anything about love. Well, I don't think either of them it. knew. I don't think either of them went into that with a plan. Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. That's <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. It's like, it's and like, by by the end, when he's saying like, "I can't quit you," rather than, "I I don't like that I'm in love with you." It's like I can't quit you. I, I can't stop this, even though yeah. technically in that society I'm not allowed to love you. And I think it hits. It, it hits you there. You don't have to be gay. You don't have to be straight. You don't have to be any. 
thing. It's just, it hits you. you. We've all been in love and we've all been the person that's that's been at the other end of someone saying, I need to stop loving you now. Go away. Walk away. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it just, it hits. And it, I fucking bawled my eyes out watching that film and I've seen it multiple times and I will still bawl my eyes out at it now. Yeah. I think it's beautiful and I genuinely think it's Ang Lee's best film. Honestly. I know it's not as, it's not Crouching Tiger. I mean, yeah, nothing, nothing is. I was going to say, I thought Biggie but, was going to cut you there. <laughs> with my sword. I, I, with I, destiny. I, I think when you look at Crouching Tiger and then you look at Robert Mountain, it proves what Ang Lee is. And he's an auteur. He knows cinema. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's Western style or Eastern style. He can fucking do it. Let's disregard Hulk. Let's always disregard Hulk. I don't think that was Ang Lee's fault. <laughs> Even though his name's on the box, yeah, I don't think he ever read a comic in his life. <laughs> but yeah, I think Brobat Mountain deserved that win over Crash. It, don't get me wrong; it's won awards, it's won many awards. But yeah. Best Picture, there's not many films that's hit me like that film hit me and subverted my expectations as a moviegoer and as someone that considered myself. Oh, 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 it changed my attitude. It changed my attitude yeah. towards that kind of look. And for the better, which if you've not seen Brobat Mountain, there's so many memes and horrible, horrible shit you've heard about it. Ignore that. It's just a fucking great, great film. Yeah, it's well worth it. I, I got emotional then. I got <laughs> emotional then, and that's how much it proved to me. So, yeah, it definitely deserved a biggie. And now for the final award. From him, it's Gadget from Modern Escapism. Hello, hello, hello. So I'm going to give you a very short one here, but this is the uh, Stephen King Award for Holy Shit, Are You Stealing My Style? Uh, and this goes to the 2010 <laughs> video game Alan Wake for Best Story. Oh, shit, so, yeah. And Best Writing as well. So Alan Wake uh, was, uh, as I said, 20, 2010 game by Remedy. Uh, told the story of the titular Alan Wake, who is a, a struggling horror writer who decides to, to to get away from it all. He's struggling to re, uh, to write his new book, uh, Deadline, I think it's called, which is ironic that he's suffering from deadline issues. Uh, <laughs> he takes he takes he takes a holiday in rural Washington State uh, with his wife. Um, they they get you know they, they they as tradition goes with horror games they they rent the creepy creepy lodge on the lake. Because oh yeah, and you have to cross a fucking rickety bridge to get to it. Yep. <laughs> And when he and when he gets there, he finds a typewriter with the first page of his new book written in it. He hasn't written anything there at all. Um, and there, there is a scream, and his wife disappears. And throughout the, throughout the story of the game, you have to go through the town of Bright uh, Bright Falls, I think it's called, or Brightness Falls, or some um, something like that. Yeah, you, you, you have to you have to hunt your way through the through this town to try and find what happened to your wife. As you go, you find pages of the manuscript that Alan hasn't written yet, but then dictate the things that are going to happen in front of him. Uh, the enemies are referred to as the Taken. They are shadow monsters that you have to shine your torch on and then plug them a couple of times with a shotgun to kill them. Um, as a game, it's bang average. I mean, it's a good game, but like the gameplay-wise, it's just there isn't much unique about it other than this kind of shine the light on them, shoot them kind of thing. But it's just you know, find it's like it's like any game, find the weak spot and kill them. Uh, it is very tense, um, but the writing is superb. Uh, Remedy took a lot of what they learned from uh, Max Payne, where Max Payne had that kind of noir comic book feel to it, and the kind of the really schlocky dialogue, and they kind of pushed it forward with this one. And it's the story is absolutely brilliant for it. 
Um, so did take a lot of inspiration from. Oh God, what that David Lynch TV show? Twin Peaks. Yeah, there's, Twin Peaks, there's a lot it, of yeah. Twin Peaks. There's a lot of uh, Stephen King. There's a lot of kind of classic American horror or classic. A lot American of Twilight Zone films. as well. A lot of Twilight Zone. Yeah. In there. Yeah, I've always wanted to play that. Oh, game. it is absolutely really good. worth it. Yeah, it's a really good game. Like I say, the gameplay is nothing revolutionary, but it, no, it's no. really enjoyable. Also, like like Remedy are really good at world building. There is a point mm. where you go to a retirement home in it, and you meet a couple of old rockers. Um, <laughs> What's and, the name? Some Sons of Asgard or something? Uh, something, some, like, something that. like that. I can't remember. But um, yeah. p- part of their, their little kind of part of the story is you have to then play their music. <laughs> to scare Which, the ghosts to, to scare the ghosts away but also that band then comes is in Quantum Break and in Control yeah. like yeah. all these universes are linked together it's all in the same world yeah, yeah clever they're re- really really good um, just as a Apparently comparison it's in the it's in the Max Payne universe as well yeah or rather I think it's just the Remedy universe at this point yeah um, but I, I, I did look up so this game came out in 2010 the 2010 BAFTA Video Game Awards uh, mm-hmm. in the story category it, uh, the nominees were Assassin's Creed 2, oh. Batman Arkham Asylum, Ooh. Broken Sword, The Shadow Templars, uh, Shadow of the Templars, well, is rather. It, is that a remaster? A remake? Uh, yeah, the director's cut version of it. Uh, no, thanks. Brutal Legend. No, no. <laughs> Tim Schafer, wasn't it, that yeah. one? Yeah, Dragon Age Origins. Ugh. And any, any, anyone want to hazard a guess at what won that year? So twenty. It weren't Brutal Legend, please. Not that. It's such a lie. No, 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 no. I haven't mentioned the winner. I'm, those were the nominees, so that, uh, but oh, there is a right. winner as well. Twenty ten. Um, I don't know. Okay. Orange Probably, Box. Is it? Nope. It's on Call of Duty. Dark Souls. Nope. Uh, Dark Souls. Medal of Honor. Look! Look at him trying to give fucking uh, <laughs> little dig at Half Life. There. Is it Half Life Two? No. no, that came out in two thousand seven. Oh. Uh, Uncharted Two: Among Thieves. Oh, it's really good Ooh. though that one. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, brutal legend and Dragon Age Origins over the story of um, Alan Wake. No way, no way, exactly. On earth. Yeah. No way on earth. <laughs> like, like Dragon Age Origins, you may as well have just gone uh, right, uh, guys. Uh, think Tolkien, and we've yeah. got a game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great game, but not a game yeah. you go to for the story. It's like a proper old no. school RPG. There's yeah. trolls, I'm telling you. Yeah, like I say, there isn't much to say on Alan Wake other than because otherwise you would end up spoiling it. But the story is really good. The game takes you to some very fun places. Yeah, it does. Um, it does the? I mean, aside from the story, like the visuals, it looks really good for a 2010 game. Like it was one of the best looking games on the Xbox 360 for a very long time. Oh, by by far, yeah. Um, it's got a very striking visual style. Everything is kind of reasonably realistic to the real world. Um, it looks it's lightning, lighting based as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff really done with light. Lighting. And it's got that look of a of a kind of horror TV show or a horror film. Um, yeah, it is really. Did worth you play playing, the American Nightmare DLC? Yeah, That's a and laugh. I didn't didn't like it as much. I mean, the gameplay was it's fun, not the same. Yeah, it's not the yeah. same. It's too arcadey. But I would yeah. really, really like Remedy to make another Alan Wake game because I think it's a universe ripe for it, and it suits oh, yeah. their it suits Sam Lake's absolute fucking weirdness and his desire yeah, well, to Alan create Wake strange is shit. Alan Wake is in the he is in the um, he's in control, control isn't he? Yeah, officially. He's in, yeah, and so, so that, maybe we'll lot, get that. Yeah, that's why a lot of people are thinking, "Ooh, maybe we're going to get another Alan Wake game in the future." So hopefully, yeah. yay! But yeah, definitely Alan Wake for the best story for 2010. Great, it game. deserves a big hit, hundred percent. And now, finally, for modern escapism, the president of the Biggies 2021. It's Biggie. Um. So hi, yeah, hi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, for me, this one uh, is truly deserved. Um, it's 
best golden idol for an archaeologist. <laughs> it's Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Mm. So Harrison Ford has had an incredible career in films, but the one role that outshines all of his others, in my opinion, is as Indy. It's pretty much one of the only films of his where I forget I'm watching Harrison Ford and I'm just running alongside Indy on his adventures. He showed a different side to Indy in each of the three movies. First, we see Indy as a confident adventurer, second as a father figure in Temple of Doom, and then as a son in Crusade. You actually believe that this press professor of archaeology is actually an adventurer with a bullwhip and a hat in tow, <laughs> fighting against the supernatural and the Nazis. He has been honoured for his service in cinema and was nominated for many roles, including Witness and Golden Globes for The Mosquito Coast, The Fugitive and Sabrina. But for me, Harrison Ford will always and only be Indiana Jones. And so I feel he deserves a biggie for that character alone. I genuinely love Indiana Jones as a character. However, we cannot avoid the elephant in the room of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Yeah. Which is why I didn't mention it. But it did exist, and it does exist. I heard that the Biggie was offered um, as a Lifetime Achievement Award back in 2000, when that film didn't exist. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's fine. Then. That's, that's what I'm reading here on the, wiki- on the Wikipedia. That's absolutely Thank fine. you, Steve. Thanks I for think, confirming that. I think that trilogy is one of the best Sundays you can ever have if you binge all those. You, you, you cannot go wrong. Family romps. Indiana Jones, like... Last Crusade, it, what a what a what a crescendo to a trilogy that is, and yeah. I do like that uh, Temple of Doom is such a departure as well, and it's technically yeah. canonically the first one in the timeline yeah. as well. It's it's so it, it's clever, and it shows that George Lucas, when he's got a director that knows him, they can get rid of the George Lucasisms. <laughs> <laughs> make something <laughs> solid because Spielberg absolutely. He, he nailed it. He nailed it. And what I also like about this is that if you've ever seen interviews with Harrison Ford, he's a very difficult interviewee. He's always stoned. Um, and he, and but he is so far removed, really, from his character oh, yeah. as Indy. Yeah. And that's what I love about it: the fact that I forget I'm watching Harrison, that I'm actually yeah, I fall into the character, the immersion of seeing Indy on the screen. Well, look at look at him. Look so at him in Blade Runner compared to. Indiana Jones, that is a completely separate, do you know what I mean? That is a completely separate character. And yeah. that, even even the growth in the trilogy, in the in the initial trilogy, the growth, and Last Crusade, he smiles a lot more, doesn't he? It's as if he's enjoying yeah. his time. And the fact that he's alongside an icon, Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery. Yeah. He, he's That chemistry between oh them, which God. really shouldn't have worked. Also, considering the age gap in real life. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Should have happened. It's like twelve. Or yeah, there's like twelve years difference yeah. or something like that. It's, I, I just think it's it's a sensation. It, it's it's an ode to pulp, to the pulp comics of the twenties and stuff like that, and it's perfect. And there's the you can't disagree with the baddies they're fighting. There's no there's there's no there's no. Oh, I'm siding with the baddies this time. You can't. It's the fucking Nazis. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? yeah. <laughs> you can't, and even in Temple of Doom, like people say, Temple of Doom, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, a damp squib compared to the. Other. But I still think it's got its moments. I like it. I do. There's definitely. I think it's. it's if you watch them all in in one weekend with your family and stuff, I think 
there's, there's, there's a lot worse you could do with your time, honestly. Yeah. And it yeah. absolutely. Well, what's the fourth one? Uh, I've I've only seen it once and. <sighs> yeah, me too. Wow. Enough. Did, I, I didn't realize the first one actually won four Oscars and was it nominated did. for another four as well. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I think it definitely some, deserves in, in the lesser ca- in the lesser categories. Yeah. Um, yeah it's got oh, no, no, best film editing is quite a big one, but um, it's a big one. But no, uh, no bigger ones. than the biggest itself, yeah. and it definitely yeah. deserves a biggie. And now for our final award, Stig for Modern Escapism. Um, hello, is this on? <laughs> um, I'm afraid that Stig can't make it to the stage for this final award. He's, um, he's passed out with his trousers around his ankle and his head down the toilet bowl. So uh, he's given me his notes and. This is the best foreign language film that wasn't Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite award so far. <laughs> Go on then. Yeah, so if you have, uh, if you're a long-term listener to us from the start, back on episode six, I talked up a film called film called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes, you did. I. I think this is the finest film I've seen this decade. Um, I think it's the, the best film I've seen since Moonlight. Wow. Um, and it's just a masterclass of directing, acting, cinematography. Um, I won't get too much into it all. Just go back to our previous episode and listen, especially because we're running on time here. But <laughs> You've been um, played off already. Came out, that year it came out. <laughs> yeah, it uh, came out. Uh, it was nominated for BAFTA and Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language, but completely snubbed at the Oscars. And I have no problem with the fact that Parasite won all these oh, awards because it is a yeah. brilliant film. But what irks me more is this film has 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's in IMDb's top two, 250. It's an exquisite film. It is fucking amazing and absolutely breathtaking. And just wasn't even nominated for Best Foreign Language in yeah. the Oscars. Um, and the, the fact that it's not nominated just kind of annoys me. Not I have a look. Ha, ha, I have had a look at that year, and there were some strong contenders. All mm. of them have got very good scores. Um, on you know, from I think it got a Golden like Globe, that, didn't it? I'm not too sure. I don't. Something I don't like think that. it won. I don't think it won any of the major like ones that you know of outside yeah. of like maybe in, independent circuits and. Uh, some like French film awards and things like that, yeah. but the, the major major awards that everyone kind of knows about um, just didn't seem to get talked about. At I all, think Nomi Palant, uh, Nomi is it Palant or Milan or Nomi Milan, the the main actress, like, she's absolutely incredible. Because I wouldn't have watched this film if it weren't for you, and um, it just absolutely oh, wow. I think it's exceptional, genuinely. Good, isn't it? It's just you really. Watch it then. That's good. Oh that yeah, last, yeah. That, that, that last like five minutes are incredible. Oh wow! Like, yeah. yeah, like I said, it looks gorgeous as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely so stunning. Brilliant. Like I said, that it's like the whole film is about painting. Yeah, and yeah. well, it, the film looks it's like all about painting. painting, but it's centered. It's centered around painting. But yeah, there are shots within this which yeah. it's still shots. You took them. They could just be like life lifestyle paintings it yeah. looks that good it is it's an incredible film and um it just came out around the, the time of um parasite 
so it just kind of got swept under the rug. Parasite is, just... is is a class, a modern day classic. I get that. Oh yeah, I, 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 this I should be up there. It. It, it Parasite won best film. Like it beat Western films. That's yeah. never happened before. Yeah, like yeah. it deserves all of its praise. Maybe because it was in the best film, they could have just knocked it to the side. You know, best foreign language. Mm-hmm. Let. Mm-hmm. let mm. Let portrait of lady on firing, but I think um, if you've not, if you've not <laughs> seen that, that would have been that would have been unfair. But it is an amazing film that the Academy agree, really mate. should have nominated. So it absolutely deserves a biggie, and that's more or less the end of the show. But before we go, we have the honourable mentions round. Um, let's just go for it, guys. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll I'll go. What should have been the two thousand five worst picture at uh, the Razzies? Um, <laughs> Doom. The <laughs> film adaptation, of <laughs> however, the that Dwayne was, Johnson vehicle. Yes, however, it stood no chance because the worst picture of two thousand and five was Catwoman. Absolutely, so absolutely uh, deserved yeah. that Razzie. It's a banger. Any other year, Doom would have been the worst film of the year. Yes. Do you want to know the best thing about that is that Halle Berry actually turned up to accept yep, it. She did. Yeah, she, she did. took it on, like, on, on a chin, didn't she? As well, yeah. she, she did. I think, I think, yeah. I think her acceptance speech. She got, she got up and told the director to get fucked or something like that. If you've not watched <laughs> Catwoman, just YouTube the basketball scene. That's all you need. It's all, all you need to know. Any more? Uh, no, that's 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 mine. Excellent, Biggie. Uh, just want to quickly rattle out. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio should have had an Oscar way before The Revenant. Yes, yes. I think he should have got it at least for Django Unchained, or especially for The Wolf of Wall Street. Should have got it for Aviator. He didn't get that. Well, exactly. He had so many movies under his belt. I just can't Django. believe that. He, the fact that he, he cut his own arm in real time that by grass. smashing that, yep. that glass ashtray. Mm. It's like it's like Scorsese, on. isn't he? Yeah. Like they they eventually gave him gave it to him for the wrong film. I, I like yeah. the films that they got. The Revenant's got, great. He got them for, it's but it's not his best. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to Brad Pitt in Seven as a supporting actor. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. I thought his role in that as a, a cops. Going down a spiral of darkness was fantastic. It made the Hollywood heartthrob into a, a Hollywood actor, didn't it? That film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Seven's uh, really Hugh good. Jackman in Logan. Yeah. Logan's really strong. And the one that really bothered me today was Al Pacino in The Godfather. He was nominated, but didn't win it. Which is crazy. Um, Michael Corleone. He was so, so good in that. So good. Yeah. Uh, blew my mind. I agree. Any more honorable mentions there, guys? That's it for me. Stig? I, I've got one. First of all, I'd like. For these are made, these are all movie related, so I'd like for the Academy to stop snubbing uh, comic book films, yeah. because to not for the likes of Infinity War and Endgame to not get anything in the special effects is an absolute travesty. Mind I was I, I was watching Infinity War the other week, and I'm looking at Thanos, and I'm like, this is incredible. He looks incredible. Thanos looks like it's it, just a real thing. <laughs> yeah, and it lost out to First Man. I mean, First Man is like what the. the it, Rocket goes up, it comes down in the moon. It looks like Apollo 13. <laughs> it's no not difference. that. It, it's not that like amazing. Yeah. And then Endgame lost out to 1917, which looks all right. It does have its good visual effects, but I just think that they just need to kind of get the head out of their asses and accept, like like Logan. You yeah. know, they didn't. They ignored that. Like the Dark Knight, they completely ignored that. Yeah. Yep. Start recognizing the like at least in special effects and makeup. Like how the fuck can the likes <sighs> of these. Superhero films not win for stuff like makeup. Look at um, Nebula. You know I mean, yeah. the, the amount of makeup that, she, that Karen Gillan's got. It, it'll on. lose out, but it would lose out to some classical 
period where someone's got a white face and rosy cheeks. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And a, and a white noodles. wig. And you're like, come on. Like, it's noodles. You just described noodles. <laughs> you did. I did. Yeah, he's very rosy. And the fact I, that... And the, yet, yeah, I agree with you. Like when Scorsese said, oh, it's not cinema, this. It's like, come on, Scorsese. It, give it a rest, pal. It yeah, like cinema. I get maybe mm. on a storyline front uh, and, a plot and all that kind of things, maybe it's not up there. But we're, but we're talking about other, the, the other awards where the special effects and the makeup artists and the costumes yeah. and stuff. Stunts. It, how can you just ignore them? They, they are incredible. Even if you think the films are shit, that stuff isn't. It's mega, so, isn't it? It's proper good. Yeah. So is that um, animated films need to be more recognised in the main awards. Only three have ever been up for the top award, which is Beauty and the Beast, Up and Toy Story 3. That's ridiculous. I think, I think more, there are some amazing animated films. What about Wally? Like... No, just they just they have this they have this subcategory, don't they? So they're just like you stay yeah. over there. Yeah, and we'll, you're like, not real we'll, film. Yeah, exactly. But they are <laughs> like some of them are better than what they nominate. Yeah, yeah I great. think Toy Story Two has got so much nuance that you don't even realise as a film. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. It's Toy Story Three, well, especially the first one as well. Just with yeah. like, yeah, how you know. I can't think of the word I'm thinking now. Mind-blowing at the time. It was like revolutionary. Yeah, at the time, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. And dealing with some things like kind of... um, Loss and... Loss and... uh, Adolescence. Existential crisis and and stuff like that, like with buzzards and stuff. It's proper clever. Yeah, but like the finally, I just want to go nominations that should have won over ones that Wit did. Go for it. Saving Private Ryan should have won over Shakespeare in Love. Agreed. Yeah, you cannot convince me that Shakespeare in Love is a better film than it's Saving not. Private Ryan. You won't convince me it's a good film. Yeah. No. <laughs> Might have a fine performance, isn't it? I like but, it, but it's not Saving Private Ryan. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I said I'd come back to this. I read up on this, and apparently this all came about really due to heavy canvassing by disgraced human being Harvey Weinstein. So that yes. tells you all you need to know about yes, it's a, how it's certain it. films get to where they need to be. Yeah. Like, and I think, and that's a perfect example. Nothing is better than Saving Private Ryan that, that year for me, and especially yeah. not Shakespeare in it Love. Changed, it still changed up, no. the landscape of what we thought of war. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing film. Uh, next one, Social Network should have won over the King's Speech. Yep. 100%. Love that film. Yeah. I've watched it so many times. I, I, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg's best performance. So good. And I, I like The King's Speech. Don't get me do. wrong. I think it's a fine film. But I actually looked at the other nominees that year. All of these are better, in my opinion. Black Swan, Inception, The Fighter, True Grit, and Toy Story 3. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an Oscar bait film. It's a historical character overcoming the odds. Yeah. They love they, And it's British. They love <laughs> yeah. British, historical <laughs> British films. Yeah, they absolutely love that shit. And it hasn't got Buzz Lightyear in it. You know, yeah. Buzz Lightyear is a character. Raging Bull over Ordinary People. Oh, God, wow. And finally, Goodfellas over Dancing with Wolves should have won. Yes. Look, Goodfellas yeah. is a timeless classic. It's one of the best absolutely. rags to riches story. And rags to riches to rags story, should I say? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're what? Absolutely. Uh... Fantastic. I've got one honourable mention. It's the award for the critics liked it, but you guys didn't. Why haven't you played it yet? It's Mad Max. I've said it millions <laughs> of times. You've not played it. Start playing Mad Max. It's one of the best open world games of last gen. I'm not going to go anymore because we've got a bustling post bag in the green room at the after party and the postmaster general. He's absolutely hammered. So let's yeah. get on with it. <laughs> yeah. So, so as as I kind of walk walk into the green room and kind of step over Stig's body, 
He's just a pile <laughs> of sick next to him. Um, DJ Walsh, at uh, DJ underscore Breathnacht, has said uh, the one that absolutely stands out is Steve Carell not winning an Emmy for playing Michael Scott in the US office. Oh, God, yeah. One of the all-time greatest television performances sustained over several seasons uh, on what is now the most watched show in the world. Michael Scarn alone deserved an Oscar for Threat Level Midnight. Write this Hollywood <laughs> yes, wrong. It's a good episode. I love that. That is it's so funny. With Goldface. So, yeah, so fucking <laughs> awkward to watch, but so funny. Uh, Charlie Ridgewell has come in and said, I have the opinion that if your film is snubbed, you're too good for the awards. Palm Springs oh. didn't get fuck all. It's a sensational film. Still need to watch that. Oh, please watch it. Uh, David Cheeseman has said, uh, I will never understand how Jake Gyllenhaal didn't win anything for Nightcrawler. He wasn't even nominated. Yep. That's the best performance yep. in the last decade. So good. Yep. Uh, Bjorg Pruschmeier. Mm-hmm. I pronounced it right. Uh, <laughs> nominations for Best Film, Cinematography, Direction, Leading Actress and Supporting Actor for Hereditary should all have uh, been given. But no, it's mm. horror. Can't award that now, can we? Yep. Yeah, it's just like Stig was saying with cartoons and animation. They're not allowed awards, are they? Because they're not real films. Exactly. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, Andy Bleasdale um, has come on saying Florence Pugh for Midsummer. 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 Oh, watch that yeah. if you haven't seen that. Watch it. She's a great actor as well. Uh, she was in the wrestling film as well. Um, the uh, yeah, it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Page. Okay. Page. Stig, what's the Page film that she was in? Florence Pugh. Um, fighting with your family, that one. Yeah, yeah. She's really good in that as well. She's a right up and coming actor. Yeah. actor well, I've, I've, heard, I've heard lots of good things about Midsummer, so I'll have to watch it at some point. Oh, Midsummer's um, great. He, he also goes on to say Tony Collette for Hereditary. Yeah, um, thank you. Michael Keaton should have beaten Eddie Redmayne. Of course he should. Birdman's yep. incredible. Should have that. Yeah. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Saving Private Ryan, and Roma should all have won Best Picture. Do not disagree. Uh, next up we have best boy Kurt Lewin saying hi chaps my nomination for this topic is Ethan Hawke for his performance in First Reformed a film I don't think any of you have watched but you really should but not if you're looking for a film to cheer you up I've mentioned it before in a previous topic but he plays a priest and to say any more would would be to spoil it I checked and he didn't even get an Oscar nomination for his performance which frankly baffles me any of us see this? this? This is a film I really want to see, but he basically mentions why I haven't yet because I just haven't been in the mood. Ethan Hawke has always been an actor that I've always been like, mm, I'm not that assed with you. But he was good in that um, that Australian vampire film. What was that called now? Where they were. He's excellent in Gattaca. Gattaca, yeah. But that He's a, excellent that Australian in, vampire uh, film. Day. I can't remember. It's, it's got Sam Neill in it as well. Ethan Hawke, Sam Neill, um, Daywalkers or something like that. And no it was idea. good in that. Oh, yeah, Daywalk, I think. I think it's called Daywalk. Something silly like that, where the whole world is vampires or something. I can't remember, but he was good in that. Yeah, he's... And he's good in the Midnight to Paris or... I've, never, I've not seen Paris, that yet. Whatever it was. It's a trilogy of uh, a couple. It's really good. Mm. Oh, no, before, after, and... That's the one. Before Midnight, after Midnight, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, mm. that's yeah. really good. We'll try that, Kurt, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, Nimrod Hicks has come in saying, Dear moderately entertaining. Just what? Caught up with a backlog. Moderately entertaining? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I'm not sure what's happening Sorry, here. Sorry, next, 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 next Awards ceremony. 
Next email. Oh, hang on, did you start off by telling him to go fuck himself? So... <laughs> we did, yeah. So I think we're even now. And he's saying he's just caught up with a backlog of episodes and he's yet to listen to the D&D special, but wow. as an enthusiast nerd, he's really looking forward to it. But as for award snubs, did you know that neither Stephen Hawking, Mahatma Gandhi, or Nikola Tesla ever won a Nobel Prize? Wow. I didn't know that. We, we didn't even go. We didn't even go that deep with that. No. No. We? Jeez. I don't no, think we're, 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 we're that we're that poignant of people to know about that yeah. kind of information. <laughs> However, he goes on to say, for me, the worst crime of this nature is in 1954 when Chris Chatterway won Sports Personality of the Year ahead <laughs> of Roger Bannister, who that year broke the four-minute mile barrier. Wow. Chatterway's okay. five thousand meter race had been televised and and as such stole more hearts from the watching audience. I mean, what has a guy got to do? He broke the four-minute mile, for fuck's sake. Well, Nimrod remembers it because he was there. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, that's all I have to offer, other than myself being cruelly overlooked for promotion to Sixer in the Norwich 35th Cub Scout Group in 1984. <laughs> Still hurts to this day, apparently. Bless him. <laughs> oh, dear. And last, last up on deck, we've got Ray. And this is a long one, but it is, I've read through it and it is actually a really good one. So he says, Hi, Modern Escapism. The story of Sir Roger Deakins and, and Oscars is not exactly a snubbed story. After all, the man did eventually get his recognition twice. However, his long journey towards best cinematographer seems like a powerful being kept toying with them. The fact that this story formula happened 13 times in 20 years makes it almost like a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> It's insane. Yeah. After it's... after twenty years in the industry, Deakins hit it big with the Academy Awards in nineteen ninety four for his work on the greatest snub movie of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Good film. He probably didn't feel too bad losing to John Tull, who handed the cameras for Legend of the Fall and Braveheart, as as he was a newcomer. But the curse of Shawshank had already stuck with him. Two years later, he was nominated for Fargo, but lost to the English Patient. The next year, his marvelous work in Kundun. Kundun. Um, was completely overshadowed by a big ship called the Titanic. Fucking <laughs> Titanic. God damn it. Entering the 21st century, Deacon started strong with Oh Brother, Where Art There, which is a fucking brilliant film. Love that film. Uh, and yeah. The Man Who Wasn't There, which is also a really good film. Uh, but fate threw Crouched Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Fellowship of the Ring in his face. No, I'm not having that. They're strong films, though. <laughs> they are strong films. For both of those. Yeah. After that, the reader lost the million prizes to Slumdog Millionaire. Then the Academy ignored the Great American West in True Grit over the folding city of Inception. Love True Grit. Then the breathtaking view of Scotland in Skyfall was no match for the breathtaking view of the ocean in Life of Pi. Mm. Then there was Prisoner versus Gravity Unbroken. Uh, Sorry, sorry, I'll say that again. There was Prisoner 2013 versus Gravity. Unbroken 2014 versus Birdman. Sicario (laughs) 2015 versus The Revenant. Different times, same results. Uh, He just had... Sorry, I was just gonna say he's just had the most unluckiest Worst of time. Timing, he's, yeah. he's had like, but he's had yeah. like his career it helped he create. Released his films in the last two years. Cinematography, but yeah, every single time it just seems to go against another great film. Like, yeah. <laughs> Among all the unfortunate events, the most unfortunate occurred in two thousand seven. That year, Deakins received two nominations for the assassination of Jesse James uh, and the best oh, picture, No so Country good. for Old Men. It should be a hopeful year, but those two nominations split his votes, and in the end, it was "There Will Be Blood" came up on top. I mean, that's a really all three of those category. films, though. Yeah. They all look incredible. Oh, I, I mean, amazing them. cinematography across all three of them. Yeah. Yep. Luckily, that powerful being seemed to finally have had enough with toying with Roger in 2017. <laughs> he got his Academy Award for the beautiful Blade Runner 2049, and was Good. later awarded a second time for another stunning masterpiece, 1917. 
Mm. Rightfully De- so. Well deserved for both of those films. I bet you were Blade crying his eyes out, like, finally, <laughs> I've finally done it. Blade Runner is stunning. It's gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's yeah. art. Yeah. I would rather call Roger Deakins having really bad luck than saying he was snubbed. Mm. There's always there's always only one Oscar for each category, but there's yeah. not always a single piece of good work that is worth the recognition. As such, inevitably, every year, good movies and, go- and people go home empty-handed. Only for Deakins, it just seemed to happen more than others. <laughs> so maybe it would be better to treat awards as the icing on the cake. Pretty, but not the most important. So instead of dwelling on Oscars, Roger Deakins has been actively communicating with his fans on his website since 2005. He even started his own Team Deakins podcast, talking all about things cinemat- uh, cinematography. And of course, he's still busy working on whatever his next project is. Wow. And I think that's a really poignant way to end that off there because, like, as he says, there is only one winner per category every year. Um, but a lot of excellent stuff gets missed. Oh, false. And I think, of that. as I stated earlier in the week, Rue wrote that, didn't he? Uh, right, yeah. Uh, and, and he's won the award for best feedback. So, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, congratulations on that. You've won yourself a biggie. And that will be sent out to you in the post in about seven years. Uh, they're very heavy, they're very large, and they are solid gold. Just like me. <laughs> me. But yeah, that's exceptional <laughs> feedback. And yeah, there's, there's been there's a lot of things that just for people, for mortals that we are, we, we, we will miss a lot of films and a lot of games a lot of shows books we didn't talk about books but there's been books that have been snubbed and stuff because they were going up against titans like harry potter and things like that but we'll absolutely we'll discuss it more in his discord and speaking of which we have got socials to get through now stig you have been the life and soul of the party at the backstage party but now it's time for a bit of professionalism <laughs> socials <Yep. clears> yes <throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> so you can find us. I just a little bit then. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all of our episodes, socials, on Discord. If you have any comments, you can either tweet us or you can email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you like to watch gaming streams, you can come and watch us at twitch.tv forward slash modern escapism. Uh, Saturday, Oodles might be doing something. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Maybe. Um, uh, Mondays, Biggie will carry on with his Biggie Dies sessions on Dark Souls. And Gadget and I will have decided something for the following Wednesday after Please this comes out. Please do that new two of us, whatever it's called. Just to, is it, well, well, we're, we're, it takes two. between... We're tying up between A Way Out and uh, Sea of Thieves. Oh, A Way Out's a really good shout, guys. You'll love that. Yeah, A Way Out could be a good shout. But yeah, by the time this uh, comes out, hopefully we should... We should know what we're gonna what we're gonna do. Cool. Um, as as ever, please check out our D and D special. I'll still keep plugging that for a while because it's well worth going to check that out if you haven't already. It should win it's, a podcast award. It yeah, definitely should. Yeah, and if it doesn't, then we'll just give it a biggie because it deserves one. I'll roll the dice. See yeah. what happens. <laughs> and natural one. As I said last, <laughs> as I said last week, um. It's still April, till the end of April. If you go onto Podchaser, leave us a, ref- a review, a five-star review, and we'll like it, and you can do some good for charity at the same time. Yeah. Uh, ne- next week, we don't have 
any feedback needed for next week unless you're into Dungeons and Dragons because next <laughs> week we actually have our first guests on. So, <gasps> so we don't have it. Our main topic is going to be um, basically an interview with the Dungeon Dads. Yes. Finally, so, Gadget gets his way. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited about this one. I don't know if yes. you can tell. I'm going to have so the, if you do the have any f- dads on. Yes. If you do have any <laughs> feedback on that, if, you, if you're a Dungeons and uh, Dragons nerd and you want to ask a few questions to them or, or anything like that, then you can still feel, feel free to send it to us. But we don't have a main topic next week because we've got a guest on. But um, honestly, if you, even if you're not into Dungeons and Dragons, if you want to watch someone or listen to someone like me crumble against talking to actual good podcasters, please tune in <laughs> because these guys are successful and and I am not. <laughs> and if you want to listen to me giving them tips on how to host a podcast, <laughs> absolutely. So it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. But yeah. Please, um, reviewers on Podchaser, like you're giving a bit to charity, and it's free for you to do it. And yep. you don't, you don't even have to put much in a review. You can put it is good, and then that's it. You've done it. Five star yep. review, absolutely. And five stars feeds us. It feeds our ego, and it makes us visible <laughs> on all the platforms. And we've put a lot of heart and soul into this in the last few months. So, without further ado, we will close off this ceremony, and we will continue to drink wistfully into the night and just discuss other things that were snubbed. Maybe this episode. So nothing can take the sting (laughs) off the world's economic problems like watching millionaires present each other golden statues. Good night (laughs) and God bless. Bye-bye. It's just sperm everywhere.